Hello and welcome to the first ever Debate This Rerun. It's Spooktacular Express season here at DT exclamation point HQ, which means we are releasing spooky Halloween content every single Tuesday of the month. And for the first time since 2019, this October has five Tuesdays, which leaves us with an extra slot to fill. 2019 was Debate This Season 2, and four years and two days ago to today, we released our flavor text on Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, with the new movie coming out at the end of this week, we thought this would be the perfect time to reopen Pandora's box and melt our faces off like those guys in Raiders. So what we've got for you today, presented in nearly all of its three-plus-hour gory glory, is the Five Nights at Freddy's flavor text. Some brief housekeeping before we all hop in an insane time machine together. Next week on Halloween Day, we'll be releasing the second episode of our new Patreon-exclusive podcast, Deconstructed, to this feed. Now, that show actually premiered today with a Patreon-exclusive episode that you can access right now by checking out patreon.com slash debatethiscast and joining at any tier. That episode covers a movie you probably forgot featured award-winning actor Mickey Rooney, Disney Channel's Phantom of the Megaplex. Next week will be a completely different movie, and if you make it to the other side of this episode, I'll tell you which movie that is. Hey, speaking of Patreon, this episode will also be going live on our Patreon ad-free with a link to view the ramblings of an absolute madman that are the original show notes of this episode. If you're into that sort of thing for this episode or any episode we release, you can get that one more time at patreon.com slash debate this cast, which is also where you can commission your own flavor text just like this, where we will do a deep dive into whatever property you so choose, yada, yada, yada. Again, patreon.com slash debate this cast. Okay, we're almost at showtime, but a quick disclaimer. This episode was recorded four years ago. All four of us have gotten new microphones and new computers since this episode was first recorded. We've also gotten better at both editing and, quite frankly, hosting a podcast since then. So judge us not for who we were, but who we have become. Also, please don't at me about this episode not featuring any lore after Help Wanted. That game was like a month old when we recorded this, and I have 1000% not kept up with the lore since then. From my understanding, though, what we cover here as the Purple Guy saga is the same general story that the movie is following. So if that's what you came here for, I should still have you covered. Also, if you're here trying to cram for the movie and you just want the Sparknote versions of this three hour podcast, go ahead and skip to the two hours and 45 ish minute mark, which is where I run through one cohesive timeline of the FNAF lore. All right, that's it. That's what I have. It's time for me to turn it over. I'm not going to make this already monstrous episode any longer than it already is. As always, any links that you may need are in the show notes. 
And again, we will be back next week with a free episode of our new Patreon-exclusive show, Deconstructed. Without further ado, I turn it over to myself from the past, and um, sorry about the bell sound. I, I really like this. I want to be very clear that I like this. I also hate it. Open your mouth, prepare your tongue, because you're about to get a taste. I cannot believe we've gone 12 episodes without me being able to talk about Final Fantasy. Well, I know the doll is bad, so I gotta think the dusty balloon is less bad. I mean, if all life everywhere ends, what have I lost? Facial hair as a theme is not something I ever would have chosen. Yeah, that's the one that Rock is just sweaty the whole time. He's got that good, good pointy Jafar beard. (laughs) I've got three pages of AMA citations. This is the Debate This Podcast. Hello and welcome to this year's Halloween Debate This Flavor Text, the show where we tell you absolutely everything about one single thing. And again, welcome to the fourth episode of the Spooktacular Express, insert train whistle here. In this podcast, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about spooky comics, scary video games, And honestly, we don't have time for a third example, because today I'm taking you guys through all, and boy, do I mean all, of the Five Nights at Freddy's lore. God damn it. Oh, boy. (laughs) I've never been so excited and not excited about something, I think. (laughs) I have sat through things that I both enjoy and hate (laughs) to get here. I listened a lot about anime and Kingdom Hearts and also Marvel, and I have earned this... Got well, and also magic. Sure. That was the one I forgot, and I that earned. one because that one was good. Okay, yeah, yeah, just was the one everyone enjoyed it. <laughs> that was the one everybody liked. <laughs> yeah. um, I've earned this. God damn it, I've earned it. Um, and today, tonight, I am joined by Andrew Pop Goes Henderson, Kyle Five Nights at Candy's Harper's Harper, and Todd the Joy of Creation Reborn Thomas. You were right the first time. I'm there. Are, there are multiples of me. <laughs> I have a plural <laughs> noun. Got it. He is Kyle, for he is Legion, and he is many. <laughs> hey, I make that reference like seven-ish pages of notes from now. Oh, Jesus. Um, great. great foreshadowing. Yeah, I think I think we're we're ready with an asterisk on that. My brain feels right now like my stomach did this morning when I drank 16 coffees at a festival. That is a horrendous <laughs> amount of coffee, and I hate it. I worked an eight-hour, a nine-hour day on four hours of sleep, so I'm all I'm just as ready. Perfect. My brain's already goopy. Let's let's do this. <laughs> awesome. So just to start off here, I'm curious if you had to put yourself on a scale uh, between one and ten about how much you thought you knew about Five Nights at Freddy's, where would you put yourself, Andrew? I would say if we're talking the first two games, like eight out of ten, because I watched all the live streams. I watched the I watched the Game Grumps play it. I watched the Completionists play it. And then I watched the Game Theory videos about what was going on. But anything past two, I stopped caring. So <laughs> I would average that out at about a 3.7 out of 10. All right, got it. Uh, Kyle, where are you at? I've seen the Funko Pop figures at Target and know, <laughs> and know of the series. So half, 0. 0.5. <laughs> All right, and uh, Todd, where do you want to put yourself on that scale? So I'm kind of where Andrew was. I've watched Markiplier play a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's. And um, I've also watched, I don't know if it was Game Theory, but I've watched multiple hours of 
the the lore behind this that I think was fairly up to date as of at least a year or so ago. So I'm going to go big and say like seven out of ten overall. Like you're going to reference wow. thing and things and I'm going to know what's going on. And then you're going to tell me other things. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that that's that three that I don't know. All right. I'm looking forward to revisiting that feeling at the end of this. And see if you <laughs> really felt like you were that high up when we started. I um, feel woefully unprepared. <laughs> Matt, Matt, why don't you answer the question? Where were you when before you started? Where were the, you uh, when Five Nights at Freddy's came into yeah. your life? What came into your life? Yeah. Um, well, I have really been following along with FNAF since game one. Um, I got on this pretty early and I've been keeping up with the theory like as we go. Uh, so I definitely was not ready to just sit down and type all this out. There's a lot of stuff that I forgot and had to go back and, and research. But as far as like the overarching lore goes, uh, I was probably at like a solid eight, eight and a half wow. when I started my research today. Um, and there were only a few major plot points that I had to like remind myself of. I mean, there were some little things here and there that I didn't remember, but Overall, like I knew most of this shit before I started writing this gigantic ass note page today. Nice. Yeah. So uh, with all that being said, I think it is time to jump into this and to jump into Five Nights at Freddy's. You really need to know a little bit about who created this game. Uh, so Five Nights was created by a guy named Scott Cawthon. Uh The original game dropped in like 2014, but Scott Cawthon had been on the scene since 2010. He had created three major indie games beforehand. Those three games were Sit and Survive, The Desolate Hope, and Chipper and L excuse me, Chipper and Sons Lumber Company. Ooh, those all sound very nice. <laughs> cheery, cheery and wonderful. Which one of those do not belong? So all of those went on to Steam Greenlight in 2010-ish. All of them got incredibly, incredibly negative reviews, and it's because all of them were very bad. Just <laughs> Good. terrible. Specifically, Chipper and Sons Lumber Co. got some of the worst ratings because all of the characters in Chipper and Sons moved in a way that people described as being animatronic, looking like characters from Chuck E. Cheese's, just being overall disturbing. Hmm. So... Yeah, that comes back, if you didn't know. Um, the other big thing is that all three of these games had heavy Christian undertones. Up until 2014, Scott Cawthon was a Christian indie game developer, which is interesting when you look at FNAF. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, all of those games went incredibly poorly, and all of them were taken off Steam because they were hot garbage, and Scott Cawthon decided... Basically, that he had one more shot. He was going to go one more game, see if he could make it work. And if he couldn't make it work, he was going to give up game development forever. I realize you're saying Cawthon and not Coffin. Yes. <laughs> I, I, that was my first reaction. Like, Scott Coffin? All right. Horror game dude. Coffin. It's a TH. TH. Yes. Coffin. Yeah. There's a W. Yeah. Got it. So, with all of those games being pulled down by Scott coffin uh he went on to release his one more game and on august 8th 2014 five nights at freddy's was released on desura uh desura is just an online indie game hub like game jolt like steam Greenlight, like anything else never heard of it yep it 
went on August 8, 2014 to Desura, went to Steam Greenlight later on in August. Now, FNAF was different than every other horror game that came before it. It combined so many different elements of horror games that it really changed the game uh, and changed the way that people looked at what horror games could be. Combining resource management, a point-and-click adventure, and survival horror all wrapped up into one game um, that was skinned in this weird Chuck E. Cheese-like kind of kid-friendly way. Uh, but it was still a gigantic departure from everything that Scott Cawthon had made beforehand, with exception to the animation style of Chipper and Sons Lumber Co., which he took a lot of the like hate and critiques that he got on that game to rework them into Five Nights at Freddy's 1. Hmm. So it was released on August 8th, 2014, and it exploded on YouTube almost immediately. Um, it received, like... Pretty mixed critical reviews to begin with. And then Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, and PewDiePie got their YouTube hands on it. And suddenly this, like, jump scare Hall of Fame game became the number one game on YouTube almost overnight. The mad, ugh, the mad virality and popularity of this game just powered Scott Cawthon on. And Five Nights at Freddy's 2 dropped on November 10th. 2014 so like three months after FNAF Holy 1 shit. that's pretty quick wow. turnaround yeah 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 wow um the biggest difference between FNAF 1 and FNAF 2 FNAF 2 took away all of the doors that FNAF 1 revolved around and opened the player up to just way more horror and terror also there were some mini games in FNAF 2 which had not been in FNAF 1 I like mini games. What were the yeah? What were those are typically mini-games? fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to get into a lot more mini games. To waste time on them now would be a waste of time. <laughs> I realize I said waste of time twice in one sentence. Um, so that's FNAF two. It comes out November tenth, twenty fourteen. About three months later, March second of twenty fifteen, enter FNAF three. So Scott Cawthon is on about a three month turnaround, turning out games that are just piping in merch money still getting insane hits on YouTube and are receiving relatively decent critical reviews. FNAF 3 came out in March and the reviews were not quite as good. Uh, People said maybe this whole jump scare mechanic is getting tired, but myself and the rest of the internet did not give a single shit about what the critics thought and said, pour on the jump scare, Scott, that's what we want. The biggest difference between FNAF 3 and FNAF 1 and 2 was that FNAF 3 had a much, much, much darker tone than the first two games. And after having the first game with five animatronics and the second game with almost 10 animatronics, FNAF 3 had just one animatronic as the main antagonist of the story. We'll get back to all of that later. So that's March 2nd of 2015. On July 23rd, just a few months later, enter FNAF 4, because Scott Cawthon is an indie game machine. So this is not even the span of a year. We have four, four games. Yeah. Um, can wow. I ask, Matt, Yes. or any of you, what's the rough like playtime of each of these games? If you're picking one, like if I'm picking up FNAF 1 and playing it start to finish, what's the, what's the run time? So the thing with FNAF is that how fast you get through it is all based on like how good at the mechanic you are. Um, so if you desensitize yourself to the jump scares 
and you know you can really catch on to the mechanics and you sit down and play it you can beat one game in less than half an hour okay now that's obviously not a completionist run a lot of these games started to add in hidden mini games and sure super super secrets uh FNAF 3 has a panel of bricks on the wall that you have to type a numeric code into, like a keypad to unlock secret minigames and cutscenes. Um, so if you're searching for all of that stuff, it will take you hours to finish these games. But if you're just trying to get from start to finish, you can knock it out in half an hour. So Okay, so they're, they're relatively short, but which explains why they're getting cranked out so quick. That's all I... That's, Still, I mean... All I was three months to oh, for three sure. months to do all of that coding is still it's all, crazy. It's insane. But I was just right. trying to put it into perspective for myself. Yeah. And as these games go on, the graphics get better and better. The um, environment, the textures get cleaner. Like there is oh, sure. dramatic mm-hmm. improvement from FNAF one to FNAF four. And again, like Andrew said, it's in less than one year. Um, so FNAF four comes out. And kicks the other three games to the side, totally reworks the idea, and now you go from being a security guard to being a child in a bedroom. This is also the first game that you can move anything more than just looking side to side. Suddenly you can run around your room and you have a little bit more free reign of your space. Um, It adds more animatronics. And Again, to to backtrack a little bit here, FNAF 3, I don't think I said this, was supposed to be the last FNAF game, and then it wasn't, and then FNAF 4 was listed as the final chapter, and it certainly wasn't. So uh, (laughs) FNAF 4, when it dropped, we all thought was going to be it, and then that came out in July. In October of 2015, a Halloween update was released with new DLC content and new lore and more secrets, and the ball just kept on rolling. God damn. Yeah. So that is July into October of 2015. Slide a couple more months into December, and we get the first Five Nights at Freddy's official novel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the first book is called The Silver Eyes, and uh, Scott Cawthon said that it is canon, but like also not canon because Scott Cawthon things, and that's just the way that that guy is. Um, he's incredibly cryptic. Everything is a mystery. No one knows what's real. Uh, and he confirms things on his website and on Steam comments and in these like weird ways that just don't make a ton of sense. Um, but to quote him directly, he says, sometimes the lore of something can be, su- excuse me, sometimes the lore of something can become so crowded that you can't tell an original story anymore. The book is canon just as the games are. That doesn't mean that they are intended to fit together like two puzzle pieces. Ugh. <laughs> aka i want this i want this novel to be canon but once you nerds poke holes in all of my all of my <laughs> uh plot all my plot holes um yeah. this is my like excuse is like it's canon in the sense that i want you to buy it also i don't have a full team of nerds on my staff that can verify <laughs> like you yeah. know like all the people when they do you know, Halo novels. Like, there's definitely right. a team of nerds that are like, is this bulletproof? Mm-hmm. Right. So please don't ask me questions. <laughs> yeah. So The Silver Eyes is, was co-written by Scott Cawthon and a woman named Kira Breed-Risley, 
She went on to co-write the other two novels with Scott as well. With uh, what time? Like, how is this possible? <laughs> right? uh, Scott Cawthon is a machine. She's like coding and to dictating this book at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Does this man sleep? Like, um, so the Silver Eyes is like 420 some pages. Good Lord. Wow. And hot take. It is not the best. Um I is that a hot take from 2015? I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that I read any of these books. No, um, it's a reheated take. Yeah, but um, they serve a lot of purpose and they fit well into the lore of the game. But there is some absolutely bonkers bananas craziness that just doesn't track. And it just is. <laughs> It's not it's not great. There's that canon but not canon. Yeah. Thing I feel like back. that's a book I would have I would have definitely bought at a scholastic book fair. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um Scott Cawthon is a pretty phenomenal game designer. I do not endorse him as a great fiction writer. So that's December of 2015. January 21st of 2016, we get the game known as FNAF World. FNAF World is an RPG. It is a full-ass turn-based RPG. Interesting. Yeah. Um, very JRPG, very tropey. Uh, it is absurd. And it was garbage. Uh, and everyone hated it. It was unfinished. It was super buggy. It didn't play well. It was confusing. And Scott Cawthon pulled it down like weeks after it was released and then refunded anybody the money that they spent on it. Took it home, reworked it, finished it, and re-released it on February 8th of 2016 for free on Steam. Or maybe on Game Jolt. I don't totally remember. Andrew, you're our JRPG player. Have you played it? Would you be open to playing it? Uh, the answer to both of those is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, FNAF World is insanity. I mean, like... It is it is JRPG. It is Mario Party type mini games. It is the strangest aesthetic that you could possibly imagine. Um, it's weird. It's very, very weird. And it comes back up in very weird ways. Um, but most people just kind of cast it aside. So that's February of 2016. October 7th of 2016 was supposed to be the release day of FNAF 5 which was FNAF's sister location. Yeah. So that was supposed to be October 7th. Uh, on Steam, like two days, three days before it was supposed to be released, Scott Cawthon posted an update that said, this game is too dark. It's, it's too much. I've gone too far <laughs> to the point that it literally makes wow. me feel sick to play it. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not releasing it. I have to try again. And the internet went crazy, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, so the internet went bananas and was like, you give us our goddamn game, Scott <laughs> This Coffin. isn't up to you, Scott. You give us what we want. You think this is a game? This is bigger than all of us now. <laughs> Do you feel in control? <laughs> there it is. So Scott Cawthon was like, fine. And on October 4th, 2016, he released Sister Location MA on Game Jolt. Everybody opened up Sister Location MA on Game Jolt, and it was just Sit and Survive, one of his first games from 2010, with a Freddy Fazbear head stuck on top of the main character. Um, he trolled the whole internet, and Sister Location officially released on October 7th of 2016. Good. That's kind of funny. 
That is pretty funny. Sister Location is a whole ass game. It is huge in relativity to the other games. I mean, he had a whole five months to make it, so of course it is. (laughs) Yeah, it had the longest dev time of any game in the series thus far. It has full acting or full voice acting, cutscenes. You move from room to room. You have different objectives from night to night. There are hidden secrets, hidden rooms, hidden objectives, hidden everything. In relativity to the other games, you're talking about Tetris versus like Skyrim. Uh, Sister Location just is huge and is the most pivotal point in Five Nights at Freddy's, which when we get into the lore, we'll get to. Now, quick question. Have you played any all of these yourself or have mostly just been watching the videos? I have played the first four. Uh, okay. And I have not played anything after that. I've watched have all of any? them. Have um, you beaten any of them? One, two, and three, I think. That's impressive. I, th- I might have beat four. And by beat, I mean I finished the main line. All yeah, of these completely. have like a, they've got a, a custom night 2020 mode where you ramp everybody up to 11 um, and it's awful. And that's like, no, that's, that's nobody needs bait to territory. do that. Yeah. And it, it's not where I'm at. So go ahead, Kyle. What amphetamine is Scott Cawthon on to <laughs> crank these games out so quickly and to like five months for a full game with cutscenes, voice acting, and like new mechanics? Is, that's like porn work, I think. That's not, yeah, that's bad. Like, uh, yeah. is he okay? The turnaround on these games is just unreal. Are and we like, sure it is just one person and not like a team? Using one person to like <laughs> as front the Shakespeare of our time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's October 7th of 2016. And we take a significant amount of time off from sister location to the next thing to happen. Six um, whole months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so sister location comes out and that's it for the rest of 2016. And for most of 2017, until the summer of 2017 on June 27th, when the second novel in the Five Nights at Freddy's trilogy comes out. Uh, June 27th, 2017 gives us the Twisted Ones. And then again, on August 29th, 2017, we get a book called The Freddy Files, which is a gigantic strategy guide for all of the games leading up to this point, uh, which was then updated and re-released June 25th of 2019. So the the strategy guide, I assume, not just like it showed it showed you all the secrets of the games, but also did it get into it, the lore? Maybe not. Less of the first and more of the second. It has okay. very little to do with the secrets in the game and is just chocked full of lore, baby. Just okay. Just more lore. Yep. And is that like official? Quote oh unquote? yeah, super official. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. But this is this is the type of game series where if you don't buy the right Funko Pops, you won't have all the answers. Um, <laughs> oh God! I yeah. absolutely hate that. Yeah. Yep, it's a real Final Fantasy fifteen. It's yes, it is that. It is Kyle, your worst goddamn nightmare. I I I hate anything that which doesn't make any sense because I love like trading card games. I hate any video game that is not like complete out of the box a whole story i hate <laughs> that like to get you have to buy the whole like all the all the black cat missions in spider-man hate it yeah just those suck those aren't those aren't good at all oh good i haven't <laughs> bought them yet so don't do it 
So those are the two books we get in 2017, The Twisted Ones, which is the full novel, and The Freddy Files, The Strategy Guide. And then at the very end of 2017, we get the next official game release, FNAF 6, Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria Simulator on December 4th of 2017. Hell yeah, it's a business simulator. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yep. Yeah, because what game haven't we remade with with Freddy Fazbear yet? Roller Coaster Tycoon. Let's do it. Um, It is minigames galore. There are night shifts. There are salvage missions. And this game is fucking bananas. It introduces more characters in this game than it does in the rest of the series combined. Um, Luckily, only a handful of them matter, but it is out of control. Uh, It is a wild ride. That was a weird time, too, because there was a lot of those floating around, those business simulators. Like, those just, those came and went like a flash in the pan. Yeah, yep. Um, Yeah, it's, it's nuts, and it is, like, it's got the aesthetic of FNAF world where it's very, like, bright and friendly, but it's dark. It's so very, very, like, dystopia dark. When, now, I, I know we'll get into this. Me being unfamiliar with the games except just, like, the imagery from it. When you say it's very dark, are we, how dark? How dark are we talking? Are we talking, like, like, just me and one of my nihilistic spirals dark or are we talking like (laughs) we're talking like a guy who adopts five kids and then a burglar breaks in and kills all the kids but he can only afford one coffin so he sews all their body parts together into one child and buries that in his backyard okay does that clear things up (laughs) it it does no further questions okay go on So that's December, um, but we're not done with 2017 yet. On December 26th, we get the Survival Logbook, uh, the fourth book in the Five Nights at Freddy's series. It is not a novel. It is a children's activity book, and if you didn't think it had lore, you are goddamn wrong because (laughs) it is chocked full of secret numerical codes and counting and word problems and... Um, I, possession <laughs> and all sorts of crazy shit. I'm so mad. <laughs> uh, on June 26th of 2018, we get The Fourth Closet, the third novel in the trilogy series. And then the very next day, we get the next game in the series, which is not FNAF 7. Uh, it is, I guess, the epilogue is probably the best way to call it. It's the, it's the Spider-Man Far From Home. It is the Far From Home of the FNAF series, Ultimate Custom Night. Uh, and by the Spider-Man Far From Home, I actually mean it's the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate because everyone ah. is here. This is your opportunity to pick the room you want to sit in and the aesthetic you want to look at and then choose which of the 51 animatronics you want so to come after stupid. you and what level you want to turn them up to. Uh. I saw Markiplier play some of this and it was like, Putting it was going grocery shopping only you can only pick bad things. And how many bad things do you want? Because they're all going to yeah. jump out and try and eat you. Yeah. When Scott Cawthon was developing this game, he released an update for it a few months early uh, and said that his average survival time was 15 seconds <laughs> for a game that lasts six minutes. Um, it's hot garbage. It's yeah. so hard. Um, all my credit and love to Markiplier for being the savant level Five Nights at Freddy's player that he is. So did he beat it? Yeah, he beat it. And it Ugh. is it's insane, man. It's a video worth watching. Uh, it's it's cool to watch. 
Um, but it's just, I mean, it's sensory overload and yeah. it's to the point where like, you're just listening for whispers yep. in high res headphones and keeping your eyes closed and muscle memory. And it's, it was a game that was meant to be impossible. That's probably one of my favorite things that like when I watch Markiplier play it is he'll actually like, you'll see him play where he's not saying a word. Like he's just hovering as close to the computer as possible and his like voiceover then that's edited in later, obviously, is him saying, like, at this point in time, I stopped giving commentary because I'm listening. I'm listening for whispers. I'm listening for things to shut down. Like, it just stupid, stupid. Yeah. I still yeah. have no idea how this game is played, <laughs> what you guys are talking about, <laughs> anything. I'm I'm so lost right now. Can can you get in that a little bit, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to finish this little history bit and then I'll give you that that breakdown, Kyle. Okay. I I should have covered that and I thought it was common knowledge and I apologize for nope. that. Nope. I like I said, 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5 baby. <laughs> um so Ultimate Custom Night comes out June 27th of 2018 and then we don't hear shit for almost a year. Uh and on May 28th of this year, we got FNAF VR Help Wanted, the seventh official game in the Five Nights at Freddy's series because this game screamed for a VR update. <laughs> and just a few days before we recorded this, on September 13th of 2019, it was announced that the sequel to Help Wanted will be Five Nights at Freddy's Augmented Reality no. Special Delivery um, coming from a company called Illumix who, to what I can find out, hasn't made a game yet. They just came to be to make FNAF AR, uh, and it will be some sort I mean, of why mobile not? hell. Um, yeah, the the little trailer they've released looks more PT and less Pokemon Go, um, but I don't know much, to be completely honest with you. Whew. Yeah, so that is the history of Five Nights at Freddy's. To get into a little bit of the gameplay, just real quick, uh, it is a survival horror game. The core component of this game is that you are one protagonist anchored into a single location. Your goal is to survive the night, and if any of these animatronics find you, they will kill you. The only defenses you have, starting with the first game, are two doors and two lights. The resource management comes into this when you acknowledge that anytime you use the doors or the lights or your camera system that allows you to see what's happening around the pizzeria, your battery drains. And if your battery hits zero, then all of You're your stuff You're just a sitting, a sitting duck, and it's horrifying. Yeah, and you are absolutely a sitting duck. Your goal is to get from midnight to 6 a.m., uh, a six-hour shift, which takes six real-life minutes. And that's pretty much the core tenet of every game. You've got some sort of surveillance system. You're anchored in some sort of location. And you have some sort of restricted or limited defense um, that is not like an offensive defense, but is more of just like a sit and hide type defense for gotcha. these animatronics. Okay. It's yeah. so good. And I know you're going to like explain this. Well, I know you're going to explain this first one, but I just love that like when given the opportunity, the protagonist just keeps coming back to work to do their job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that was pretty scary. 
I guess I'm going to come back tomorrow <laughs> because I've got to yeah. pay for like healthcare or something. Cause that's the world. Yeah. You got to eat. Right. And all of these positions are minimum wage, which you find out from the assorted paychecks that you get throughout the series. Like <laughs> you're not making real money doing this. This is no. a minimum wage job. You get like $27 or something. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like that? They're, they're going for realism here. Kyle, every night starts with um, like a phone recording of a guy who is lovingly referred to as phone guy, typically telling you something about like, well, the other guy died or the other guy left or the other guy vanished or this is why you're in this job. Please stick around. Our turnover <laughs> is very high. Good. Yes. I'm, I'm happy. With all of that being said, I am ready to jump into the lore if you guys are. Do you have any other questions about how we get to where we start before we do? I think you just got to do it because it Let's like... It just they the picture starts to I think fill itself as it goes. Yeah, yeah. Just just feet first into the deep end. Let's let's go. Great. So my disclaimer before I jump into the lore here is that Five Nights at Freddy's is not a game with a confirmed storyline. Scott Cawthon has not ever really said, "Yep, that's it. That's what I wanted. That's the thing." Basically, everything here is theorized. Some things have been confirmed by Scott. Some things haven't. But we, as the community who likes Five Nights at Freddy's and who has followed along with this madness, has just gotten information as the games have come. And a lot of the information we have gotten has not been explained or corroborated or disproven or anything until we've gotten two or three more games. So the way that I'm going to do this flavor text and the way that I've structured this is that I'm going to go through game by game and I'm just going to tell you the things that we learned from that game. And then the next game might eliminate some of those things or it might confirm some of those things or it might just give you a whole bunch of other things. And some of the things I tell you might never come back. But at the very (laughs) end of all of this, I'm going to build you a timeline from what we know that is the currently I, I don't want to say most agreed upon because it's the internet and nobody agrees on anything, but what I think is the best timeline of the Five Nights at Freddy's and what I think is the best research timeline. I mean, that's not unlike Dark Souls and a lot of the more popular franchises these days because I think like with the internet and with YouTube and all these, all these you know, fans that are, that are doing these kind of like deep dives, it kind of lends itself to that community-based approach. And this is why like, it feels like people just get in so much into this because you... You play the game, you're like, what the fuck happened? And you'll, you'll just lose yourself for hours. I mean, it's, you know, read Petscop when Todd <laughs> went through that, went through that experience last year. Like, it's just, it's very, yeah, yeah. it's very easy and very, uh, very easily attainable these days. Yes. Yeah. The conspiracy theory rabbit hole on FNAF is very, very deep. Um, but I wanted to set this up because through these first couple of games, it's just going to be some quick hits. And the deeper we get, the more you're going to get, but the less it might make sense. And I promise I'm going to tie it all back together at the end. I don't trust you. It's definitely (laughs) a a thing, too, where like the fewer like I my mind goes to J.J. Abrams. The fewer questions you answer or the more questions you ask, the longer (laughs) your audience is engaged because like you can you can answer some in the next game, but then you can ask twice as many and they're like ah we've got to like you can't ever get off the ride if you still have questions to, mm-hmm. to ask is is where i'm at yeah that's pretty much it I, the the more you just accept the better it will go 
Um, the less you accept, the more questions you ask, and just it's it's a nightmare. Um, it's a nightmare, and I don't talk about nightmares until FNAF four, but it's a nightmare. Oh God! All right, let's do it. All righty, let's do it. Starting off strong at Five Nights at Freddy's one. Uh, if you flip over to your FNAF picks, and there will be uh, an Imgur link in the show notes for this, I have the first main five animatronics posted as picture number one. These oh, are the they're ca- fine. Yeah, they are. These are the characters from FNAF. Um, the chicken uh, with the let's eat bib. Her name is Chica. The fox in the back with the hook hand is Foxy. Far right is Bonnie. In the middle, you have Freddy. And in the bottom middle with the uh, white eyes is Golden Freddy. So what we know from Five Nights at Freddy's 1 is not very much. You could play this whole game and not know that there's really any lore into it. Uh, And that's probably because at this point, Scott Cawthon was planning on this being his last game. As he developed this game, he put some lore here and there. And there's a lot of it that he manages to bring back. But in general, this game just does not have as much as the other games and what it has you get from newspaper clippings and posters on the wall of the hallway that you have to brighten the resolution to see and the phone calls from phone guy and things like that so what you know you are a security guard at freddy fazbear's pizzeria animatronics roam the hall at night for like reasons i don't know Um, because, and I think yeah. at, this, at this point, they because were just, they, they were really just like, it's haunted. It's fine. Yep. Whatever. Yeah. It's because plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because horror game, shut up and play it. Exactly. Yeah. The like, what you kind of get from phone guy is that, you know, the, the animatronics used to be allowed to roam around a day or all day. And now they're not, um, because of the bite of 87. And so now they roam around at night because reasons. And if they see you, the security guard, they are going to perceive you as a naked endoskeleton and they're going to kill you by shoving you inside of an animatronic suit. All right. Plot. Solid. Yep. Now, do they, so knowing that we're getting to it very soon, do they actually talk about the bite of 87 in this one or? Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. You okay, know what, that's Tom? what I thought. That's why I they thought. They never that's... talk about the bite of 87 ever again. <laughs> the, the bite of 87 <laughs> is such a rad album name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The Bite of 87 is mentioned in FNAF 1, I think, maybe FNAF 2. Um, it's, it's mentioned early, and then you're just left to figure yep. out when and why and how and who it happened to. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing the when is 1987. But is it? Because there's also a Bite of 1983. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it could have been 87 people taking a bite. I'll, I'll just shut up, I guess, then, and, and listen. <laughs> But what we know Sorry. about <laughs> what we know about the bite of 87 at this point is that an employee or someone got bit by an animatronic and it removed that person's frontal lobe. That's Good. what we got. Yeah, that's specific. All right. Yeah. Also from this game, uh, you get that there were like five children lured and, and like killed or kidnapped by like some guy and the bodies were never recovered. Um, also the animatronics had a lot of sanitary concerns because they started smelling and leaking blood and mucus and Ah. suddenly there's not so much of a question of where those five bodies are, but like Mm. nobody ever just says, Hey, maybe they're in the animatronics. It's just like, wow, it's weird that these bleed. Um, and that's (laughs) it. Should the robots be bleeding? 
It was 1987. It was a different time. There was a lot of cocaine. <laughs> um, and speaking of what you just said, it, it isn't 1987. We find out at the very end of this game that it is actually happening in 1993. The way we oh. find this out is by the paycheck we get. If you divide it by the number of hours that you worked, it lines up with the minimum wage of 1993. That's and that is the only awesome. way you can figure shut it out. Up, <laughs> shut up, shut up. I hate that. Ugh. <laughs> And and nobody knew if that was true or not until FNAF 2 came out and they did the same equation for the paycheck and we found out it was 87, but we actually knew that FNAF 2 happened in 87. And so, yeah, I can confirm FNAF 1 happens circa 1993 because of the minimum wage and the paycheck you get at the end of the five nights. All right. Did they did they did they use that? To like figure out what state it happens in based on like the yeah. state minimum wage yeah. versus what the about federal? the OSHA code? Yeah, like, no, there's <laughs> never any mention of location. Like all this shit just yeah. happens, but there's never any like here, where, why. What if it's what if it happened in a state that had a higher minimum wage than the federal minimum wage did, Matt? And it actually was 1987. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, you remember that time I said that like the more you accept it, the better it'll go. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I'm, I've chosen this path and and that's the path I'm on now. Do you get a Do you get a 15 minute break during your six hour shift? Because I think that's state mandated in most. <laughs> maybe not right. in 1987. It wasn't. So maybe moving not, on to Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> two. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's two. If you jump back over to the FNAF picks doc, uh, has a couple of animatronics. The first ones you'll see there are the withered animatronics. Um, withered Foxy, Withered Bonnie, Withered Freddy, Withered Golden Freddy, and Withered Chica, um, also referred to as the old animatronics. And um, yeah, that's what they look like. They are just kind of like zombie-ish. Um, and it gets it Ugh. starts to get really hard to distinguish Freddy from Freddy from Freddy because at the end of the series, we have 13 different iterations of Fredbear. Uh, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, um, but those are the Withered ones. Uh, if you scroll down a little more, picture number three are the main characters of FNAF 2. Those are the toy animatronics, Toy Bonnie, Toy Freddy, and Toy Chica. The next main character is number four. That is Mangle. Um, Mangle is one of my favorite characters from huh. the FNAF world. Um, number five is mm -hmm. Balloon Boy. <laughs> Holding a sign that says balloons. Yeah, that's right. fun. Just, um, just in case you forgot. He is the only animatronic in FNAF 2 whose appearance isn't a jump scare. He just exists. Um, number six is the puppet, which you may remember from like episode, I don't know, 12 or something of the Debate This podcast. <laughs> a, very, a very early debate. Oh, episode. yeah. Yeah, make your own RPG team. Um, but that is the puppet. And then number seven, the last animatronics in this series are Shadow Bonnie and Shadow Freddy. So, okay. yes, um, here's what we know from FNAF 2. You are still a security guard, but at a much larger Fazbear Pizzeria. Um, we know this because of the security camera. Just the layout of the building is much larger. Um, you are also a different security guard. You have a name. Um, you see the name on the paycheck, yada, yada, yada. In this game, you have no doors because fuck you. That's why. Uh, instead of doors, you have a flashlight and a Freddy mask, and that is how do you it. get into the room? Um, there is a big open gaping hole like it is a desk in a corner and you're Ugh. just looking out into the void. Um, so as you look out into the void, 
You see animatronics coming near you. There are also two vents on either side of you from which animatronics can come in and out. Uh, different animatronics have different mechanics to make them go away because you can't just shut doors. Some animatronics you have to hide from in the Freddy mask. Some animatronics you have to flash your flashlight on. Some animatronics you have to stare at and then they'll go away. Some animatronics you have to put your flashlight on but not flash your flashlight on. Is any of this shit spelled out for uh, you or told you anywhere? Oh no, Absolutely that's, not. Right, that's right. the point is you have to figure it all out. Yep. Do these... Do these bleed? Do these animatronics bleed? <laughs> Do bleed? You never see any of them bleed. Um, Do you bleed? <laughs> um, but yeah, it is a nightmare, and it is a huge step up in uh, difficulty from FNAF 1. Um, I mean, way more animatronics, way more mechanics. It's just a much bigger game. So uh, the we've come to find out that the withered animatronics are... The possessed ones from the original location um, because they look like the original ones and they move around and they're possessed. Um, but the toy animatronics, we find out from the phone guy, aren't possessed. They are security bots who have facial recognition linked to a sex offender database. And that is why they <laughs> run around. Cool. Yeah. And this game takes place in 1993. No, like, no. The first one was 93. This one is an 87. No, this is earlier. So wait, I'm confused still. Yes. So the withered ones are... Yes. This, yeah, what are they withered from? They're the same ones from the first game that happened in the future. Yes. But they're withered now in the past. Correct. But they are from the original location. They were, they were renovated. They were redone. They put new bodies, new blood... They harvested new blood and souls. So, okay. welcome to, like, paradox number one of the Five Nights at Freddy's fandom. The first major argument and, like, major disagreement on the internet was, is FNAF 2 a prequel or is FNAF 2 a sequel? Uh, mm. And there has been tons and tons of infighting, and it took a lot of years um, and a lot of games for people to finally just determine, yes, unequivocally, it is a prequel. What is, what is the major, if you could summarize it, what is the major case for it to being 1987? Um, the like biggest concrete bit of evidence is the like very end of the game. You get the paycheck and the, um, the, the like paycheck lines up with uh, minimum wage from 87. And at the very end, there is a newspaper clipping saying that the location was shut down uh, due to somebody being bit by an animatronic, which all we know about is the bite of 87. So we believe it's the bite of 87. Okay. Do, okay. So maybe you're going to get on this by the end. Do we think the paycheck math thing was intentional? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Scott Cawthon is an incredibly detailed game designer and doesn't really do uh, coincidence. He matches character color or like sprite color to text color down to the hexadecimal code of the color. Like he is a very detailed designer. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. He is also a robot. Yes. He is also likely a robot who bleeds and has mucus. <laughs> also, maybe that this is what this whole series is one robots long confession. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so you have the withered animatronics, you have the toy animatronics, uh, they have facial recognition software hunting for sex offenders. You don't super know why, they just do. Um, and the FNAF 2 location was closed due to the bite of 87. One of the toy animatronics bit the frontal lobe off somebody, which you get at the very end of the game, or you get that information at the very end of the game. Was, was that somebody a sex offender? Uh, TBD. Is the assumption that the toy animatronics think you are a sex offender? Uh, TBD. Um, how, all right. How those, those bad boys got a bite pretty intense and pretty precisely to in one bite like penetrate the skull the skull yeah and just like rip out the frontal lobe i feel like the frontal lobe of it all is unnecessary that all seems like right and if you're getting bit by a thing you have to like basically not move for it to bite you in the head like the first thing you're gonna do is like rear back your head you have to have gotten dangerously close to it Oh, like with your penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, no, maybe I'm not going to go there. There is, <laughs> it like, is, it is a sex offender. So <laughs> that's where I was going. there is way too much rule 34 stuff from FNAF. Ooh, ooh. Um, and like, I didn't F- need to hear that. FNAF two is like the hub of the, the 34. It, it would have cost you zero dollars to keep that information to yourself. <laughs> um, also, I wasn't planning on going into like frontal lobotomy science, but that's where the whole frontal oh, lobe thing comes from. Um, is is the whole like lobotomy idea because all of that science comes back later. Um, also, yes, you need I think it's like fourteen thousand psi to fracture the skull. Each animatronic has about eight teeth, and we find out later on that all of the animatronics were likely designed to be able to have the pressure to crack a skull with the right actuators. Um, all of that Good. shit comes way later. But yes, all of Why? your concerns are valid. All of your concerns Why? are valid. <laughs> what are they doing? Are they laying pipe? I'm well, like, what? so <laughs> upset. Welcome were, to FNAF, were, boys. Were these things made as bomb diffusal <laughs> diffusers or something? Jesus. Uh, apparently, Andrew, they're lobotomy bots. <laughs> <laughs> lobotomy bots. I would, I would like to hear more about these fun mini games. Yeah, so also now there are death mini games. Mm. Um, yeah. I said fun, not death. Yep, uh-huh. Um, the, one of the mechanics that FNAF 2 adds is the puppet's music box. Um, now not only are you trying to survive in your own room, but you are trying to keep animatronics from running away and killing you. That starts in FNAF 1, as you have to keep an eye on Foxy and Pirate's Cove, or he'll run out and get you, but it gets ramped up in FNAF 2, where there is a puppet controlled by a music box, and if you keep the music box wound up, the puppet won't come out, but if you don't keep the music box wound up, uh, the puppet will come and kill you. Which puppet is that? The puppet. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the character puppet. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, number yeah. number six, I see him. Capital P puppet. Pay pay attention, Todd. There, there are only two puppets, and, well, there are more than two puppets, but we're only going to talk about one puppet, and it's the puppet. Um, other puppets of note are Bon Bon and Night Marionette, but we're not going to talk about those today. Um, so... How many more times will you be saying puppet this podcast? Many, uh, many, many times. Um, so the like couple of mini games of note, there are a bunch, but the ones that are important, um, take cake, uh, 
which is the first time that you get to watch a child die. Oh, and get great. to great. Yeah, uh, you watch a child die out back of Fred Bear's family diner, not hmm. Fred Bear Pizzeria or Fazbear Pizzeria. Fred Bear's family diner, which we found out was another location. We find that out from the phone guy. Um, it's Fred Bear's family diner. Just accept it. Good. It's like a Shoney's. Yeah. We if are, anyone knows what a Shoney's is. I do know what a Shoney's is. Yeah. I have I have been to a Shoney's. I a have times. driven to South Carolina. I do know what a Shoney's is. Um, yeah. So we are led to believe that that kid like maybe becomes the puppet, but also not sure. Um, this is also the first time you see Purple Guy. Purple Guy is the main antagonist through all of the FNAF series. He is the kid killer. He is the one who kills the kids. I don't have a picture of purple guy. Uh, no, he is a he is a pixelated sprite that is a particular shade of purple. There's no point of having a picture of purple guy. Um, I only did pictures of the animatronics. He's he's literally think like side scrolling, I guess, side profile of a hunched over purple man. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's nothing special to him except he is like a purple stick figure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and this all looks like like Atari era. Yes. So all of these mini gotcha. games are designed to look yeah, like yeah. Um, basically the ET oh, game for Atari. Yes. They're, mm-hmm. they're like the idea being they're like games in this Chuck E. Cheese knockoff that you are playing. Correct. While, yes. While not dying from lobotomy robots. Yeah. You know, yeah, when you got okay. a down, a downtime minute. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. When you have your when you have your government mandated fifteen minute break from your minimum wage job, gotcha. yeah, there it is. I'm I'm back on board. Good. Uh, also, we get the give gifts, give life mini game where we see the puppet stuff dead kids into suits. All right, I'm off board again. And that's all you get. That's, <laughs> that's all we get from this whole damn game. There's no explanation to any of this. It just happens, and we watch it happen, and and you right. wasd your way around as the puppet and put kids into suits. So we, we confirm then we kind of all the suspicions from one. We can confirm now that someone's some kids have been getting stuff into suits like that. Yep. Check that box. Exactly. Um, the like sort of the assumption at this point is that we have seen the purple guy, the kid killer. And then we see this kid get killed. And the reason that everybody thinks that kid becomes uh, the puppet is because he has this very distinct uh, crying face and he becomes known as the crying child and his tears line up with the design on the puppet mask. So what we come to learn or what we come to assume at this point is that the purple guy kills the kids and then the the kid who is become the puppet like tries to give life back to the other kids by putting their spirits inside of animatronic suits. Got it? Everybody okay. there? Kyle, how Check. you doing? Yeah, we're good. Let's just keep going. Let's just. Sure. I'd love five to. nights at Freddy's three. But here we go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> FNAF three, also known as the hard one. Um, <laughs> nope. Nope. I don't like that. FNAF three is Todd's like, nickname in college. There it, it is. is. Uh, yeah, there it is. Chapow. <laughs> um, it is uncharacteristically difficult, uh, even for a FNAF game. Like just the main five nights are super difficult. Um, and if you jump over to the FNAF picks, uh, there's really only one animatronic. It's number eight. That is Springtrap. Uh, Springtrap is probably my favorite art through this whole series. 
Um, Springtrap is terrifying, and the more you learn about Springtrap, the scarier he gets. Uh, but I like Springtrap a lot. And then number nine are the Phantom animatronics. These are all hallucinations that you have throughout FNAF 3. Uh, they are not animatronics who come and get you. They are literally just hallucinations um, of, like, effectively, like, waterlogged, darked-out, white-eyed versions of the other ones. The Phantom animatronics aren't real. The Phantom animatronics can't hurt you. Yes, exactly. But I think they can. That's the whole point, right? Um, no, so they, like, don't hurt you. They... Oh. They disable your yep. ventilation systems, um, so they don't hurt you directly. They just make you do more things. Yeah, like the okay. the Phantom Balloon Boy like messes with your screen when you bring down like your like your your like little iPad thing you pop up to look and see where stuff's at. Um, when you bring it back down, the Phantom Boy is the thing that like shocks your screen. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so they just kind of pop up and jump scare you and then do something really annoying and leave, but they don't end your game. The only one who ends your game is Springtrap. Springtrap is a like old and decrepit Golden Bonnie suit. So what we know of FNAF 3, you are a security guard at Fazbear's Fright, a haunted house attraction based on the pizzeria that had all of these kids murdered in it, Fazbear's <laughs> Pizzeria. As one does. It seems like someone should have stopped that at some point. Yeah, it's a little poor taste. Uh, I have a question for Matt. Yes. Would you work at a haunted house that was based on a pizza place that apparently allegedly had children murdered and was super, super haunted? Um, you know, probably not. Yeah. If you would have said yes, my next question would have been, will you be the so the the lone (laughs) security guard? It works there <laughs> at said yeah. at said haunted yeah. house for minimum wage. Like, is that the line? Is that the line? That's pretty much the line. I mean, like I'm working yeah. the haunted house I'm working in this year is in a really haunted building. And that is already is like unnerving me a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I think you get into child murder and especially like yeah. kind of recent. Um. Yeah. I mean, what? Two couple years. Huh? So like, that's the thing is this game isn't super clear as to when this happens. Um, it says, oh, like, there's, are there no paychecks for, for internet sleuths? To- <laughs> no, <laughs> this dir- now it's direct deposit. So you can't see the oh, slips. Yeah. Gotcha. It's, it says it's like 30 years on, but we don't really know what the start point of that is. Um, so originally a lot of people thought it was like 1994. Uh, it comes around to mean we think like 2023. Um, and it's 30 years after FNAF one ends. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. How'd that sit with you, Kyle? I I don't know. We went from it's 1994 to 2023. Walk us through that math. Yeah. So what's 1994? 1994 was kind of the shot in the dark date that a lot of people took originally is like, how is it that we have this golden Bonnie suit that we haven't really seen before, but we hear came from another location. And I'll get into that here in a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, how do we have that here? But also, we're not in a pizzeria because the pizzeria is closed. It says it's 30 years, like, from 30 years ago. But when was 30 years ago? Because we've never seen this type okay. of suit before. Um, so a lot of people just kind of like, like, well, it must be like the next year. Um, but it ends up being uh, okay. 2023. So later, later evidence shows us it's actually. And they, and they figured yeah, that out by um, finding the, page, the paycheck stub <laughs> and... 
uh, doing the math with minimum wage in 2023, right? Correct. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. Did. Yeah. Um, so this is when it starts to get like nice and spooky. Um, FNAF oh. three hmm. has when it starts. not at, not at child death, but nope. like, yeah, not decades after child bodies into animatronics, but now, okay. Yep. Go on. Um, FNAF three personally, I think has like the darkest aesthetics of the whole game. Um, you're very much in like the basement of this half built haunted attraction, um, flickery lights, yellow overtones on everything. One big window in front of you uh, where you get to see Springtrap, Golden Bonnie's like whole ass body creepily walk in front of you. And these things move in a very unnerving way. Um, it's, it's a scary game. Like it was the first FNAF game that I think scared me with more than just the jump scares. Because uh, you can get me with a jump scare, but it's kind of hard to make me right. unnerved and uncomfortable. And this game did it pretty well. Um, it's just when, like, all around creepy. Jump scares have a pretty quick ceiling. Like, oh, you, yeah. you get five of the same jump scare, you're like, okay, I'm over it. Right, exactly. Um, so what we find out as this game starts is that we are the security guard at Faz- Fazbear's Fright. And we still get the phone guy conversation, but it's told to us in the intro of the game that we found these cool training tapes from like 1980, the 1980s uh, here, listen to them. So the phone guy isn't talking to you. The phone guy is talking to a new employee of Fazbear Mm. entertainment circa the year 1983. Okay. Interesting. So this is so technically before anything we've seen. Yes. So they are from the original location, which as far as we know, hasn't appeared in a game yet. Okay. Which is where? Uh, TBD. So uh, this game introduces the concept of the spring lock suits. Spring lock suits are introduced through these recordings and they can be worn by performers. So they are both animatronics and costumes. So it's like an like Iron Man suit, but you wear it to, to dance around at kids' birthday parties slash this weird haunted house. Much, slash much like an Iron Man suit slash <laughs> lobotomies. Okay, right. Um, so the spring lock suits, when there's not somebody in it, is an animatronic that still carries some semblance of sentience. I don't super know that part. Um, but the spring lock suits have a crank, and you crank the spring locks, and that pulls all of the animatronic components to the sides of the shell so that a performer can get inside of the suit and perform while all of the animatronics are pulled back to the side. Does it sound like a bad idea? Cause it this sounds definitely sinister. is. Uh, it, the, there's a lot of things in these games that Scott Coffin Coffin just hopes you accept. And that <laughs> the spring lock suit is a step too far for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm go on. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be like, I'm tr- not trying to shit all over this, but I'm just, well, and look at it this I'm way. Upset. At least, at least we're getting this information after we know more of the complete photo, because like some people were getting this and they're like, wait, what? Like what? Because yeah. the, the spring lock suits are going to come back. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. well, that yeah. was, that was going to be my question. Cause, cause until, until this point, we just heard, 
kids being stuffed into animatronics. And I don't know about you guys, but like animatronics aren't suits, right? They're like the robots. Right. So, is, so now was the purpose are... of this to, yeah, was the purpose of this to hand wave to explain like, hey, this is how people can get trapped in these suits? No, it was not. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So the spring lock suits are introduced in like night one of FNAF 3. And then at like night three or four, I don't remember the order of all of these, we find out that the spring lock suits have all been discontinued and can no longer be worn because of multiple simultaneous spring lock failures, which have killed two Natch. people. Natch. Yeah. Of course. Um, yep. So from these phone conversations, we find out that moisture will cause the spring locks to loosen. And when the spring locks loosen, all of the animatronic components snap back into the person wearing the suit, killing them in a not so pleasant way. Good. Yep. Yeah. It's like being inside of a transformer when it transforms. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just <laughs> imagining like all the R&D that went into these spring lock suits for no one to like raise their hand and be like, isn't this going to kill somebody eventually? Right. Yeah. Although I'm sure in three games, you're going to tell me they were designed to kill people because reasons. So go on. So if you want to know what the spring locks look like, I would again direct you to number eight on the FNAF picks because spring trap is the first spring lock suit that we have seen. So now we get into some FNAF three mini games. Uh, some of which happen after you die, some of which you have to type numbers into bricks on the wall in the pattern they would be on a nine-digit number pad to unlock them. Um, it's absurd. Would you ever know to do this without looking at a guide? If you aren't part of the, like, Reddit community, there none of this comes through. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. uh, just... I mean, even as somebody who is really interested in it, I think every time I research the topic, I find out more that I didn't know. Um, mm. And just like there are people who have dedicated way more time than I have to learning all of the things about these games. I am very sure. much like a secondhand FNAF fan. I wait for other people to figure shit out and then tell it to me. Um, and that's how I like yeah. to consume FNAF. I'm not someone who roots through everything. Sure. You're not spending more. you're not spending hours to realize you can click on the bricks and spending more hours to realize they're a, a numeric pad. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I can't speak to FNAF, but as someone who's pretty into Dark Souls, I read there's I I can tell you that there are people who go through they don't necessarily do that. It's like they, they go through the, the coding. Code. Yeah. Yeah, they go through the code and then they yeah. they try to find all the assets and then like connect it back, basically. Right. Um so the, the quick hits of these mini games, all of them take place in old locations. None of them are in Fazbear's Fright. Um, we get to watch the purple guy dismantle the original animatronics. We also watch the spirits of what we assume to be the first five kids chase the purple guy and kill Asterix. We aren't super sure that he's dead. Him by chasing him into the spring lock suit. Uh, the Golden Bonnie suit in a wet room where it then fails and he is trapped uh, and Purple Guy becomes Springtrap. And uh, this also tells us that the FNAF 1 location is the second attempt 
at having a Fazbear's Pizza in the original location. Mm-hmm. That mini game and that bit of information is what solves the is FNAF 2 a prequel or a sequel? Because what we find out is that FNAF 2 is a prequel to FNAF 1, but FNAF 1 is the second Fazbear's Pizzeria in the original location. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And FNAF, and sorry, FNAF 2 is in a different location, correct? Correct. Okay. So there was Fazbear's Pizzeria, it closed, the uh, FNAF 2 location opened up. And that was where the old animatronics from the FNAF 1 location became the withered ones. Okay. And then the toy mm. animatronics came in. And then we find out a little later on through some other like lore and Easter eggs that the toy animatronics were dismantled after the bite of 87. And the uh, withered animatronics were moved back to the original location for a hopeful second attempt at a Fazbear's Pizzeria in that location. Okay. And we can assume that they were all done up, and yeah. re- redone, remodeled, whatever. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah. Tracking now. So that is the first, like, Scott Cawthon figuring out this whole story. Um, most people assume that by FNAF 4, Scott Cawthon had this whole thing mapped out. Scott has also said in a Steam post that he has only retconned one thing in all of five nights at Freddy's uh, and everything else has just been explanation and expansion and clarification. Um, he has also never said what that one thing is. And there are plenty of theories about it. Yeah. I'm sure JJ Abrams would say the same thing, but <laughs> right. You know, well, George, George Lucas still swears that he had all of star Wars figured out when he re- filmed the first movie. So. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Um, what I will say about Scott Cawthon is that he has an incredible gift of writing information that he already has into the story as it continues on. Um, He does a very, very good job of saying, all right, here are the bricks I laid for myself in FNAF one and two. How can I build those into the story going forward? As opposed to just saying, nah, ignore it. Just did retcon doesn't matter. Um, And it's very impressive. Hmm. Uh, The other thing is that's where the whole books come in. And that whole quote of like, Sometimes a story gets so muddled that you can't do anything new with it. Uh, and that was basically him admitting that, like, listen, I, I laid this path for myself and I'm going to follow it the whole damn way. But I have more stories that I want to tell. So you're going to get them in the books. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. OK. And these are, so these are separate, separate stories in the books. Then. Right. Yep. Same canon. Both are, sure. according to Scott Cawthon, both are true, um, but they don't fit together like the pieces of a puzzle. All right, so that's FNAF 3. Okay. Uh, everybody doing good? Anybody have any major pressing questions? I mean, I'm, I'm very sad, but... I'm excited for you to talk about 4, because that might be one of them that I've watched the most gameplay from. Um, because I know it was the one, like you said, that you actually like moved instead of staying stationary. And it was... I was gonna, is, 4, is 4 the, the Skyrim to 1's Tetris? Or is that a different <laughs> No, that's that's five. But four okay. is a pretty big four is like Super Mario Brothers to one's Tetris. Like there's a lot more. Yeah. It's not as much as it could be, but there's a lot more. OK. FNAF four has the nightmare animatronics. Uh, so if you go over to the FNAF picks document uh, and look at number 10. Oh, yeah. See 
the nightmares. So from left to right, you have Nightmare Freddy. Then you have uh, Nightmare Bonnie, Nightmare Chica. The little Ooh. short guy in the middle is Plush Trap. Ooh. Nightmare Foxy. And then Nightmare Fredbear. And then Nightmare. So just the like the blacked out one with the biggest mouth is Nightmare. Which is horrifying. Now, those are some teeth. Those are teeth that could bite a frontal lobe out yeah. of the skull. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this is also the first game where, like, not only do we have two Freddies, we have three Freddies. We've seen Freddy and Golden Freddy, but now we have Nightmare Freddy, Nightmare Fredbear, and Nightmare. Um, all of those are important. <laughs> so, FNAF 4 is where things really take a completely different turn. Like, this is the, and now for something completely different game. Uh, and guess what, boys? We're taking clues from the source code. Which I think is so cool. Before the comes out. Yeah. Walk us through yeah. that. Back yep. up. Start over. Try again. Um, so this game was teased as the final chapter not long after FNAF 3 came out and was supposed to be the end of the game. And as soon as teasers and images from this game started coming out, people jumped into the source code and started going absolutely ham sandwiches because okay. FNAF 3 was the game where people realized, man, if you root through the source code, you find out the bricks on the wall right. are clickable. Got it, um, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so FNAF 4 is the first game where people are like taking huge major story hits from the source code. Day one, people are diving into the, mm-hmm. to the programming and finding the assets. And okay. Gotcha. Yes. Um, gotcha. I, I am not going to bother to tell you like, which things come from the source code and which things come from gameplay because they all come from both and we get more into source code later on uh, and it's less important now. So we have FNAF 4. We are led to believe that FNAF 4 happens in 1983. We get that from a couple of things. One, there is a cutscene in this game that shows what we are led to believe is the bite of 87 but also could be the bite of 83 because there is another cutscene which shows the Fredbear and Friends TV program and is labeled as 1983. So suddenly we have two bites, the bite of 83 and the bite of 87. We didn't learn after the first one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, the first one, the first one you, you chalk up as a freak accident. The second one is a problem. And <laughs> yeah. Well, so the cutscene that shows the bite of 83 shows four kids picking up a fifth kid and putting him in the mouth of an animatronic that then bites his head and kills him. Um, It's less of a freak accident and more of a very intentional prank. Um, But prank. Yeah. Yes. The biggest thing. Well, so there's the date on the TV, but the biggest thing that leads us to believe that the bite of 83 and the bite of 87 are different is that the bite of 87 says that it removed somebody's frontal lobe but that they survived the bite of 83. It's pretty clear that the kid is dead. So we are in FNAF four. We are in 1983 and we are playing as a child in a bedroom. Uh, and everything is a nightmare hallucination. Maybe <laughs> maybe the, the way, the way that when you, as this kid, like peep, you know, your head out the door and you see nightmare, you cannot tell me that that isn't just a hallucination nightmare. Like, it's so actually horrifying that it just has to be right. Like a nightmare hallucination. Mm. So 
FNAF 4 is your first game without a like digital camera system. FNAF 4, you are one person in one room, uh, and you have four options to check. You have the door on the left of your room, which leads to a hallway, the door on the right of your room, which leads to a hallway, your closet in your bedroom, and then on your bed behind you. And you have to frantically sprint from one to the other. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's nightmare hallucinations in all of these locations. Hell yeah, there is. Okay. Are you like actually like WASD moving, like moving around, or is it more just like press up to go to this area, press left to go to this area? Uh, the second one. It's like yeah, a, a, okay. a press up to travel. Um, okay. You know, like you have your you have your points you click to get there. Okay. Um, so still like a point and click. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is the first game to introduce like movement, but not the first game to make you a mobile person just to make you more than like anchored in one single location. Gotcha. So a couple of interesting things to note about FNAF four. We are in a child's bedroom. We never see the child. There are no mirrors. There's nothing to lead you to believe who it might be, except that we do see on the bedside table in different nights, a bottle of pills, an IV and an IV stand and flowers. So we are led to believe that this child is recovering from something traumatic. At this point, we think that this character may be the kid who is the puppet. This kid may be the victim of the bite of 83. If you haven't put everything together, this kid may be the victim of the bite of 87. Or this kid could just be another kid. Just a new kid with unrelated, seemingly unrelated flowers and pills. I mean, there are a lot of sad children in this franchise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then there's that cutscene that shows the bite of 83. uh, And this is when it like really leans heavy into, okay, we're pretty sure that the kid in this game is the kid who gets bit in the bite of 83. Um, also more mini games. And this is when the mini games become super weird and super important <laughs> from the mini games and cutscenes, We find out that this kid likes Fred Baron friends. Uh, one of the, well, a lot of the mini games. Why, 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 why would you do that? Yeah. Um, we have <laughs> this kid who like you at this point, you get WASD control of your character as you move this sprite through the house and explore different locations. Um, You start to realize that there are these little like spirit golden Freddy dolls in all of the rooms of the house. Um, We also find out the kid is scared probably specifically of the spring lock suits because those are the suits that we see in the cutscenes where he gets bit. We know that because it's a golden Freddy and a golden Bonnie and the only golden Freddy and golden Bonnie were the spring traps. and that's just kind of hand wavy. Just believe me. Um, <laughs> and we see a particular cutscene that leads us to believe that this kid saw a crime. Likely he saw the purple guy shove a kid into an animatronic. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so also maybe this kid is the puppet. And then maybe that kid we thought was the puppet is actually golden Freddy. Um, okay. Maybe also this whole game series is a dream. Uh, and then the game series en- or the game ends And the kid dies in the bite of 83 and spirit golden Freddy doll is there. And he says the line, I will put you back together. And then you see an image of a locked box and that's it. That's the game. Wait. Okay. Okay. Pause. Pause. So the game ends with 
so the game starts with the cutscene of of somebody getting bit in the bit the bite the aforementioned bite of eighty three. I was unclear of when that cutscene happened, but that cutscene happens oh, okay. at the end of the game. Mm. Oh, okay. So you don't gotcha. you don't even know that bite of eighty three is a thing until the until you finish the game. Correct. Okay. okay. So that same cutscene that same cutscene both introduces the bite of eighty three and confirms the fact that the ch- that the person you are playing as the victim of said bite of eighty three. Definitely the first one. <laughs> okay. Only maybe on the second one. Only maybe the second one. Yeah. Okay. Um, because also maybe this is a dream. Yes. Or whatever. Each of okay. these cutscenes happens in this pizzeria location where there's a birthday party and it's all just kind of like leading up to this birthday party. The birthday party is at the end of the week and that's when the bite happens. Uh, there is a lot of information that we get from FNAF 4 that we don't take from FNAF 4 for like another year and a half. But as of right now, as far as like the structure that we've gone through, FNAF 4 is the weird outlier. FNAF 4 does not make a lot of sense and it's really hard to fit it into the rest of the lore. This game left a lot of people wondering what the hell is going on? Scott Cawthon, you bastard. What have you done? Like, where are we? Um, why are there so many different nightmare things? And that's why after four, the books start. Yeah. That's when he starts writing books. Got it. Uh, and then we have this locked box at the end with no way to interact with it or open it and no idea what the hell's in the box. And then we get the Halloween DLC, which introduces three new characters, two of which I don't remember. One is definitely Nightmare Annette, and one is Nightmare Chica, whichever nightmare isn't included in the original set of nightmares. Did you say Night Night Marionette is the, yes. the first one? Night yeah. Marionette, and then another one. I think it's Nightmare Chica, yeah, because Chica gets a uh uh pumpkin, like instead of her typical cupcake that she carries around. But we also get Nightmare Balloon Boy, and everybody's like, man, these three characters are cool. Do they matter? And Scott Cawthon was like, only one of them. Nightmare Balloon Boy is canon, but the other two aren't. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah. Good. And everybody was like, what do you mean? And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a shrug for the people that couldn't see that on the audio feed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's FNAF 4. At this point, it's still just like a rain down of information. FNAF 5, sister location, that's the Skyrim to FNAF 1's Tetris. And that's where all of this shit starts to really come together. Uh, so if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, get them out now because it's going to go just like a hard right turn off the rails into oblivion. Which, which way is the exit? I have a lot of concerns. Which, which direction do I leave? How do I get out of here? <laughs> nope. Um, we've, <laughs> we've used all of our power and the doors will no longer operate. So we're stuck here. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Sister location. Let's do it. Uh, so again, sister location had the longest dev time of any of the games at like a healthy five months. <laughs> and uh, the promo trailers that we got were of completely different animatronics of a completely different look and no one really knew like how they fit in or what was going on. We didn't know if the sister location was something related to Fazbear entertainment, which is the parent company that signs all the paychecks or if it was like a completely different unrelated thing, no one was really sure. So uh, because no one was really sure we jumped into the source code and we will get to that (laughs) as soon as I show you this picture. Uh, If you go back to the FNAF picks number 11, are the characters from uh, Sister Location. 
Okay. Yeah. It's like a fun aesthetic here. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way to put it because these are referred to as the fun time animatronics. Oh. Yeah. Uh, disclaimer, the times are not always fun. <laughs> disclaimer oh. warranted. <laughs> so on the far left, you have Circus Baby. Uh, and the two things by her knees are the baby babies. Um, they're not important. Yeah, they're the baby babies. I, I just, I, I need to express how much I hate the name Circus Baby. That's all. Go on. Uh, the next one in line is Funtime Foxy. And then in the middle, you have Ennard. Oh, Ennard. Yep. Ennard. I, I know a lot about this game as well. Then the next one is Funtime Freddy. And on his hand is Bon Bon the puppet. Um, bon Bon is also not really important in this game. And then the fifth one is Ballora. Uh, the two um, the the two things beside her are the baby Renas, I think they're called. Um, they, they also didn't need names. Yeah, but that's why. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So back to the source code. Right now, we are looking at source code of teaser trailers and teaser images, uh, and also Scott's website, Scott Coffin Games. So um, it introduces the names of these new characters as well as their booking schedules, saying some of them are available, some of them are booked, and then some of them are stored away for MAT, which we think is likely maintenance. Uh, It also mentions Chica's Party World, a client of Afton Robotics. And this is the very first mention of the last name Afton and Afton Robotics overall. This is probably not not important. A minor detail that never we never hear it again. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Definitely. No, this is probably the most important source code clue of the entire series. Uh, Welcome to the book tie in, guys. Let's talk about the silver eyes. Ugh. Yeah. Um, suddenly that book is important. Hold on. Is it is it not worth talking about the first book? The Silver Eyes is the first book. Oh, I thought that was the second one. No. Okay. Never mind. Silver Eyes is first. Continue. Yep. Um, Silver Eyes is uh set in nineteen ninety-five. It introduces some guy named Henry. We do not get a last name for Henry. All we are told is that he is a like relatively good guy, upstanding dude. Uh he is the one who builds the animatronics for Fazbear Entertainment and he is like and I say this without sarcasm definitely not a child murderer like Henry is actually a good dude and we are not at any point led to believe that Henry is a, a child murderer thank you for caveating that yes. good. I knew there was no way I could say that and it not sound just like disgustingly a sarcastic yeah um, but it's it's true it's super real it's okay. We'll find out in the next game that he was a child murderer, I'm sure, based on experience. <laughs> Actually, in the next game, which is FNAF World, we find out that we're pretty sure we watch him kill himself after he admits to building Circus Baby. Oh. Yeah. Good. Did you have that on your bingo card, Kyle? But you didn't. I, I didn't. You got me, Todd. <laughs> so that is, a, that is a scene that we get in FNAF World that lines up exactly with the scene from the books. We're pretty sure we see him kill himself. Um, the book also exposes William Afton, who is Fazbear Entertainment's like business daddy. He is their uh, check signing guy as the purple guy killer. Just straight up, William Afton is the purple guy killer, according to the Silver Eyes. Purple guy killer. Okay. Yep. He is the purple guy 
who kills people, not the guy who kills the purple guy. So, okay, so pause. So that's interesting because until this point, we as the audience refer to as the purple guy only because we're seeing that really low res that or low poly mini game and he's just colored purple. Yeah. Yes. So, so is this implying that that or in universe that person is also referred to as the purple guy? Or is this just like the the writer being like wink wink nod nod? Yeah, it's just the writer being wink wink nod okay. nod. Um, okay. Yeah, the okay. like it. I think that there is a mention of the color purple. I'm not familiar enough with the silver eyes to tell you for sure. Um, all I know is that I can confirm for you that the silver eyes tells us that William Afton is the purple guy. Oh, you said sorry. You said purple guy killer like he killed the purple guy. He is the purple guy. Yes, he it. is the purple yeah. guy. Sorry, Todd clarified that for me and did a much better job of explaining it than I did. Got it. Uh, yes, William Afton is the one who kills the children. Um, he is the one we know as purple guy. He is not the one who killed the purple cool. guy. Got it. Also, William Afton has a daughter who got killed consumed by an animatronic um that animatronic <laughs> is circus baby mm. so to recap one more time uh william afton has a daughter daughter was killed by circus baby henry not a child killer killed himself after he admits to building baby those pieces fall in line a little bit make a little bit of sense yes. yeah sure cool all right so on to the actual game of sister location uh, like I said, it is gigantic in relativity, and there is so much here. The bulk it is of this, very big. Yeah. The bulk of this flavor text is about to be sister location. So you play as a service worker working at an underground animatronic distribution center. You very well may be William Afton. We get this from sound bites of some girl talking at the end of each level where she says she knows you and hand wavy just trust me you might be william afton it's like a it's like a ghost a ghost voice yeah isn't it yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep it's voices okay. in the walls uh you end the game getting scooped and stuffed with an endoskeleton yes todd <laughs> i was gonna say and also like this ghost voice is like giving you help yeah yep so this is your phone this is your phone guy for this game uh gotcha. no so your phone guy mm-hmm. for this game is Handbot. uh <laughs> yeah. yeah it is oh. um <laughs> Handbot is this like very meme computer screen in the effectively the loading portion of each night um, where he gives you minimal instructions and talks about exotic butters and casual yes. bongos. It's it's actually no. it. It's pretty well done, if I remember right. Like, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun in the sense that, you know, what you're getting into every night. But like Handbot is just like having a good time with you. It's like, oh. What did you okay. what did you like to select help or exotic butters? You selected exotic butters <laughs> like it's, it's <laughs> that stuff over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Um, sister location is a very good game. Sister location is like if you want a, an all encompassing good game that is hard and has a lot to it and is going to take you more than half an hour to blaze through. Sister location is the one. And it's still doing the same stuff, right? Like the clicking, similar, clicking. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Similar, but different. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit more. But okay. These are just some quick hits. So you very well may be William Afton. You end this game getting scooped in the scooping room and stuffed with an endoskeleton. Yeah. The silver eyes straight up says that Willie is the one who got the scooping. Uh, William Afton gets the scooping according to the silver eyes, but maybe not. We're not sure. <laughs> God because, damn it. because the book may or may not be actual canon. 
Yeah, it's 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 clear, but also very not clear. Um, and then we find out that there's this secret room in Sister Location. Uh, it shows surveillance footage of the house from FNAF 4. Whoops. Yep. Ooh. That's weird. I wonder how we got security hmm. footage of the house from FNAF 4. You guys remember those Golden Freddy dolls that were in every room? Yep. They're surveillance cameras. Ah, gross. Oh. Yeah, uh-huh. Very gross. This is corroborated by the Silver Eyes. Boink, it is William Afton's house. We know this because of lamp. Uh, literally a lamp. What? There's just like a matching lamp in, in both games. Yeah, there is a matching distinct lamp. Uh. Um, as you are playing sister location, thinking maybe you're William Afton, um, you come home at the end of every night to this cutscene of you sitting in your house watching TV. There's oh, a lamp. Gotcha. Okay. That same mm-hmm. lamp is outside the kid's bedroom in FNAF 4. It's the Afton house. Yep. Nothing is coincidental. Everything is intentional. Everything gotcha. is incredibly intentional. Yes. I, I'm kind of realizing as I'm reading through this that I didn't say much about the gameplay of Sister Location. So just to give you like a quick rundown of that, each night you have a different objective. Uh, each objective deals with a different one of the animatronics. Some objectives are very easy. Some objectives are very difficult, and they are not all just point and click things. Um, some objectives are administering controlled shocks to some of the animatronics. Uh, some of the objectives are stealth missions, sneaking across a room, trying not to make any noise. Um, it's the worst. That is the Which, worst. I think that's the one that, that sticks out that um, like the voice is like telling you when you should run, when you should stop running. Like, like she's don't move. She is right behind you. And like, I think you can even like hear whatever that animatronic is. And you're just like, Oh, this is the worst. This is the worst. (laughs) Yeah. So that is hiding from Ballora and trying to like get across the room and avoid Ballora. That that sounds really rad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's that one's, I think the worst. Uh, And then there is like a, uh, a patient's point and click sort of thing where you are in a spring trap suit and oh, you are yeah. winding the spring traps to keep yourself alive, but also not calling attention to yourself because the room is full of mini arenas. That's what they're called. Mini arenas. I call that them are climbing arenas, on the suit. Yeah. Um, it's, Ugh. it's very like spider infestation. It's, it's unnerving. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so there's a lot, there's a whole bunch of different mechanics. It's different. It's not like, that's the first game where you actually get sentient movement, uh, and you have control of your own like character. Interesting. Okay. During the Freddy break room challenge, we find out that the FNAF four house is above circus baby rentals. Circus baby rentals is where sister location happens. You don't really get to find out it's called Circus Baby Rentals unless you do some digging, but it is like what the location is and what we can tell from the information that we get is that it is a animatronic distribution center. Okay. So when clients order the Funtime animatronics, Circus Baby Rentals sends them out, holds them for maintenance, stores them in this very literal underground bunker. Which makes sense because you said Afton is the one who created the who owns that the robotics and if that's his house then yeah that all tracks okay yep um so you find out that the fnaf 4 house is directly above circus baby rentals in the same secret room break room challenge that you can find out that 
the, the surveillance footage. Um, turns out the Funtime animatronics were built to capture children. This is in the animatronic blueprints, which you can find through secret things. Through, through gameplay. Through. Yes. Um, there are hmm. blueprints of the Funtime animatronics which give you details about their stature and their special abilities. Basically, all of the Funtime animatronics are no shorter than seven feet tall. Um, they're very large, and they have a bunch of different, very creepy special abilities, like voice mimicry and uh, like stealth and tracking and things that, you know, performing animatronics don't need. Yeah. No. Yeah. We also find out from those blueprints that all of these animatronics have a compartment in their stomach. And in one of the blueprints, you can see the outline of a child in the outline of the animatronic. Also, there is a mini game in Sister Location where we see a claw come out of Circus Baby's stomach and eat a child, which we come to assume is Afton's daughter. Put all of okay, that information. Pause. Okay. Um, to, to wrap that up, put all of that information together. We find out the Funtime animatronics were built to capture children. Got it. Andrew, go ahead. Pause. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, where is the money in capturing children with T- giant robots? TBD, Andrew. TBD, I mean, my anything? dude. I bet it is talked okay. about. We have a murder weapon, but we need a motive. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to say the word spirit goo, and I want you to just hold on to that for a little while. I, I don't want to. Hold on to the spirit hold goo, on, Andrew. Hold on to I that don't. spirit goo. You got to uh, cup your hands gross. and intertwine them, or it's going to get through your fingers. I feel gross. Yeah. Um, so the Funtime animatronics were built to capture children. Big turn here. William Afton is trying to collect kids and fuse their souls with animatronics. He's an entrepreneur, Matt, and I wish you'd respect him a little bit more. <laughs> like, a visionary. I think I was waiting for you to say, like, the ritual is complete or something. Nope. Like, again, why? Yep. Why, why, why? All of these sentient, child-infused robots mash themselves together to become Ennard. We are Ennard, we are Mini. There is your Legion reference there foreshadowed at the beginning of this episode. Um, oh, wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah. You, William Afton, get scooped and entered, crawls inside of your skin suit to escape Circus Baby Rentals. As this is like, as you're going through these nights, you see all of the other workers dead around the building. Uh, also, we figure that the crying child from the Bite of 83, who lives in the house, who assumingly we've seen all through FNAF 4, is William Afton's son, because William Afton has been running this whole operation. When we see all the other, uh, the dead workers, are we to assume that they have also been scooped and and entered is inside them? No. All of the other dead workers, we see silhouettes of them hanging from the rafters or other things like that. Okay. They're just, they're just dead. Yes. Can you, can you define for me scooped? Uh, Yes. It's literally the scooping room. (laughs) Yes. There is literally a room. Where there is a giant claw machine, and it okay. reaches into you and scoops out your insides, oh. and Ennard crawls inside that hole. It's, it's worth, so again, this is one that I watched a lot of videos on. It is worth watching the Five Nights at Freddy's like ending of this one, 
because that scene is like tough. <laughs> like it, like <laughs> it sounds it because the there's this like whole build up to it, and then when you kind of realize what's about to happen, you're just like, oh, that's bad. Oh, that's so bad. Like here, yeah. And and like Matt said, the um the spring lock mini game is horrifying. It's yeah, it's really really upsetting. Yeah. Um, the other mm-hmm. set of cutscenes that I didn't put a bullet point for that you get throughout Sister Location is this guy walking down the street, ha- like ha- just happily walking down the street, smiling and waving at people, and you get one of these cutscenes every night, and then every night. That guy turns a little bit more purple and people stop waving to him and then people start hiding from him and then he gets real slouchy and very purple until finally at one point he collapses on the middle of the street and vomits up entered and stands back up and goes on his merry way as a white eyed purple empty flesh suit as entered escapes into the sewer. All of those words I said are real. Hmm. I I really like this. I want to be very clear that I like this. I also hate it. Mm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's that's to be expected. How, how are you doing, Kyle? Where's your where's your mind at right now? Um my mind is we are coming up on the two hour mark and <laughs> there are There's no end in sight. Four four more pages of this, and I'm very tired. Um other than that, I hate it. I just I'm I'm a mad I'm mad at Scott Cough Coffin 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 Crawfish the cough the Coffman I'm mad at I'm mad at Matt for doing this to us <laughs> and and I'm tired yeah I'm hungry. Kingdom Hearts doesn't seem so bad huh what? no so, no wait no 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 no, no. <laughs> how many Xehanorts are there are there fourteen <laughs> so I will tell you that like this is the part where things start to really pick up and really go off the rails. So stick with me because uh, it's it's about to get weird. But I promise things are about to start to fall into holes and make a yeah, little they, bit more sense. They've been pretty boring so far. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Zero. Interest, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm ready for I'm ready to start falling into holes with Andrew's spirit juice. Uh, it spirit was spirit goo. goo. Oh, yeah. wait, that's it, way better. Don't don't get it twisted, Todd. <laughs> yeah. Ah, speaking of twisted, oh. we're going to talk about the twisted ones. And we're going to jump into more Sister Location and the next book in the Five Nights at Freddy's novel trilogy right after this. Are you tired of the domestic discussions of the more pedestrian podcasts? Looking for a more enlightened way to talk about video games? Then look no further than Left Trigger, Right Trigger, the video game book club, where four hosts discuss the more sophisticated issues in games. Topics include body parts, Zelda, The Division, Hyperlight Tokyo Drifter, Good Vibes, Time Machine, Doing the Gab, Biscuit Faces, Being Terrible, Muzapan Sex Dance, The Faces Are Terrible, When the Mouse Is Away, or When the Cat's a Mouse, I can't tell white people apart. My body is going to dissolve. I'm playing wine. The Gashapon is just a womb. Man, this game's got hot orcs. <clears throat> Left trigger, right trigger. Your video game book club. Wow, that was what? really disappointing. And we are back from what for you has been 
30 to 60 seconds. And for what for us has been a week and a half, like a, a week, week and a half. <laughs> yeah. I forgot uh, everything except for there was a bunny and some springs. Um, and, and a man by the name of William Afton, he done got a scooped. Yeah, there was a lot of scooping. <laughs> I want everyone to know in that week and a half, I had a lot of time where I could have watched fin- more FNAF stuff and try and get on board. But I, I dug my feet in and didn't, <laughs> so I could stay mad for this half of the recording, too. The entirety of this 30-second break, I started and completed Bloodborne. <laughs> That's <laughs> super true. <laughs> oh, boy. Time is wow. weird. Instead of watching FNAF videos. <laughs> Um, I, on the other hand, watched a lot of FNAF videos in the last week and a half, which I'm less than stoked about, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so for you three, uh, we already did a quick little like hot three minute rundown on, on what we've already covered. Uh, but just to remind everyone listening, in case you've forgotten the last 60 seconds, we are talking about Five Nights at Freddy's and we are in the middle of FNAF 5 sister location. We have just talked about everything that we got out of the book, The Silver Eyes, and how it relates to the games so far. Which you were you were all just listening to this, so that you don't need this recap. <laughs> this, you is, listened, this is really you just, just for listened us to again. a thirty that second was for ad. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but it felt right to put it in there. So let's go back. Are you guys ready? Did you forget there are more books over the last week and a half? Because guess what? There are right. other books, and now we're going to talk about the twisted ones. Are you ready? I thought this was a video game podcast. I didn't come here for books, nerd. Well, we talk about comic books too, and ah, it has fuck, the word that's, books that's in it. That's pretty so solid logic, actually. Well, technically, our copy is all video games and comics. All right, so the yeah. twisted ones. <laughs> Who let Andrew in here? Second FNAF book, The Twisted Ones. This book came out like right around the time that the original FNAF 6 got canceled because FNAF 5 happened. It had the longest uh, build time of any of the other games. And they were like, we're going to make FNAF 6. And then FNAF 6 got canceled and the Twisted Ones came out. This book introduces you to the Twisted animatronics, um, which in book world are different. But in game world, and if you follow all the canon, are definitely just the fun time animatronics, which are the animatronics specific to Five Nights at Freddy's sister location. Oh, the fun time ones aren't the OG ones. They're the the They're like the pastel looking ones. Yeah, 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 they're the like pink and blue um, yeah, yeah, yeah. main color scheme ones. Okay. Yeah, so the twisted animatronics are the twisted animatronics in the book, but are super just the fun time animatronics. Um, Lowell's twisted fun time Freddy like eats a kid like a snake and then transports them in fun time Freddy's stomach uh, compartment. Cool. Yes, cool. that's real. That's a real <laughs> thing. Um, twisted fun time baby has a grabby hand in her stomach which we actually see in a sister location minigame. So Funtime Freddy has a jaw that dishinges like a snake and inhales kids. Twisted Funtime Baby, just grabby hand in the stomach. Um, Yeah, this book tells us that Henry built the originals, but William Afton built Mm -hmm. the fun times. Okay. Uh, Can I make a a quick observation? Yeah. This man is not a good murderer. (laughs) (laughs) he's not really good at much other than making these bad machines at at risk of getting put on a lot of lists it's easier to kidnap and kill children than this (laughs) you don't need to build i hope hope we can take that in isolation all right we've had a good run on this podcast let me make my let me make my actually salient point and not what the fuck kyle just said 
<laughs> okay, I get how this in theory works, and and yes, like I'm sure that the the spoiler it's gonna, it's gonna it's gonna kill more kids, but like making this contra this this really complex contraption to kill a kid is like Pee Wee Herman making that that uh, Rube Goldberg machine to serve him breakfast. Like you can certainly do that, or you can just make breakfast. <laughs> That's that's more or less what I said. Um, yeah, but a little more eloquently. <laughs> this is the like the, the everyone points out how convoluted the Joker plot is at the end of uh, mm. the Dark Knight for a guy who doesn't make plans. This yeah. is that like, yep. it it's easier to kidnap and kill children than this. <laughs> you didn't need to say it twice, Kyle. <laughs> we got, it. We got my, it on tape twice. It's my mantra. I, I already made the t-shirt <laughs> order, so. Okay, oh. um, back to the twisted ones. Uh, so also, this book confirms that the house from FNAF 4, which is the house that had the kid in the bed and the nightmare animatronics, um, this book confirms that that house is Henry's house and not William Afton's house, which we previously thought. So you were playing as Henry's son. So now it is Henry's house and not William's Afton, at William Afton's house. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, the twisted animatronics have mind control devices inside that cause Shut hallucinations. Up. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Yep. Shut up. Yep. Um, in the books, it changes the way that the uh, um, animatronics look. So like the hallucination devices cause people to perceive them as furry, huggable, lovable creatures, as opposed to the plastic metal twisted demon creatures that they are. Um, Mm. Yeah, we actually see one of these twisted animatronic mind control devices in night three of sister location. We can also posture that these are likely what caused the phantom animatronic appearances in FNAF 3. If you remember when we were talking about Mm. FNAF 3, I said that there are phantom animatronics who jump scare you, but don't kill you, yes. which is different than all of the other jump scares in the game. These mind control hallucinogenic devices are likely what caused those phantom animatronics to show up. So the book went ahead and retconned that weird plot device from three. Okay. Yes. Yep. Um, oh, hey, there's an actual robot fight in this book. Um, the possessed animatronics Rad. versus the twisted animatronics it's not important to the game canon and we're going to breeze over it, but there is an actual robot fight in this book. That's kind, that's kind right. of fun. So they're like factions of <laughs> animatronics. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. There are different teams. All right. Why do these robots do these child killing robots fight each other? Um, the short answer is because the possessed ones have the souls of dead kids inside of them versus the fun time ones, which are AIs designed to kill children. Uh, in other words, dogma. Yes. Not inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So back to the game. The final cutscene of Sister Location shows Michael Afton being still alive and leaving to find his father. Oh, wait. Fuck. You've been playing as Michael Afton the whole time through Sister Location. So originally we thought it was William Afton. Yeah. No, oh, Michael so, Afton. So Michael got scooped. So Michael got scooped. Got the scoop. Um, Yep, and and this comes from a lot of stuff in uh, the Twisted Ones and some, like, re-just investigation of the games. Um, but you're Michael. You're Michael Afton in FNAF Sister Location, confirmed. Interesting. Yep. Hmm. 
Alright boys, here comes the motherfucking Freddy Files. Do you guys remember the Freddy Files? That yeah. would be the strategy guide. Is this like that the Dead Sea Scrolls? No. That strategy guide <laughs> is chock full of lore. Yep, it's a strategy guide with lore. Because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> so, what we get from the Freddy Files, William Afton, Michael Afton's father, guy who built the robots, mm-hmm. William Afton is purple guy number one. Because guess what? There are two purple guys. There's now. a yeah. second shooter. God yeah. damn it. There's a um, second shooter. No, the second purple guy isn't a shooter. And we'll, no. we'll get back to that. Um, William Afton is purple guy. Number one. He kills kid one at Fred Bear's family diner. That's like that's beginning. It's way back. Yep. The, is that the, the bite is that, of 83. Yeah, that's, Is that the original bite before that? Oh. Before the bite of 83. <laughs> Yep. The the scooping of 77. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, sure. Are you, are you a writer for this series, Andrew? <laughs> I, I, I did get a couple of credits. Um, also, William Afton built the fun times to kill more kids, except Circus Baby scoops up William Afton's daughter. Oh. This causes Circus Baby's Pizza World to shut down on day one sometime before 1983. I like to think fun times to kill more kids was the proper noun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we can also now realize that William Afton's youngest son, the crying child, the bite of 83 kid, saw his sister get got by circus baby. And he's and he's the one that or wait, is the youngest son? Is that Michael? No. Oh, he's got two sons. Yep. Um, there are five Aftons. Oh, there are two, two sons mm-hmm. and a daughter. Okay. And then a husband and a okay. wife. Okay. Yep. Um, we, we figure this out because his nightmares in FNAF 4 have stomach teeth. Uh, okay, okay. So if you go back to the FNAF sure. picks file. That's what that and, means. And scroll, <laughs> scroll, up to, scroll up to number 10. And you look at the the first animatronic, oh, or I'm sorry, yeah. the second animatronic in from the left. That is Nightmare Fred Bear. He's got stomach teeth. You can pretty clearly see has stomach teeth. Um, yes. So, Bite of 83 Kids saw his sister get eaten by Circus Baby. That's why his nightmares have stomach teeth. Um, the I've, Freddy Files. What? Go ahead, Kyle. I'm going to try to make it, try really hard to make it to the end of this recording. Without like whipping my headphones across the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at some of these at some of these connections. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse. Um, um, so the, do you do you have like red red yarn all around the walls of a room in your house? Is Maddie concerned for your for your <laughs> mental stability? I wish that I could like externally process like that, but I'm more of an internal <laughs> processor. So the red <laughs> lines are just drawn in my brain. The reality is like someone has done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone's done the legwork for you. Not even joking. There is absolutely someone who has like an, sprawled an army of people. Yeah, sprawled this out on a wall in a living room on a spare bedroom where a once former partner once kept their stuff before they moved out. Like <laughs> that is that is a thing that has happened a hundred percent. Yeah, his name is Matthew Patrick, and he runs the game channel Game Theory. Yeah, and he makes a butt ton of money to do it more so yeah. than any of us combined. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so back to the Freddy Files. That book tells us that Ballora and Baby, Ballora is the ballerina funtime robot, and Baby have AI responses and not pre-recorded responses like the rest of the fun times. 
So the rest of the fun times approach kids and use these pre-recorded responses to like lure them in. But Laura and Baby have AI responses and can are smart freely and are learning. Yep. Yep. Neuronet processor. Um, Guess what, kids? Ballora is William Afton's wife, or at least is possessed by her soul, or maybe her memory. It's very unclear. Okay. Or programmed into the AI or something. It's the, yeah, the same not. thing. The same thing as the one. The one wife from um, Evangelion is yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Programmed. Um, Ballora. Ballora is okay. the Magi. Ballora is definitely the Magi. She's the Magi. Um, the, and and just like Evangelion, all of these unrelated people. By the end of it, have to be everything has to be connected. Nothing yes. cannot be connected. You can't you can't have a wasted character in this lore, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so moving forward, away from the Freddy Files, uh, the Halloween update of FNAF Four introduces Nightmare Balloon Boy, who is deemed as canon, and his existence helps prove oh, that while sister location happens later in the timeline. Ballora, Baby, and Balloon Boy were built for Circus Baby's Pizza World. I hate that name. <laughs> Which name? There were a lot of names. Cir- Circus, Circus Baby's Pica- Pizza World. I don't. For sure. What is, 100%. What is Circus Baby's Pizza World? Circus Baby's Pizza World <laughs> is the restaurant that was only open for one day that all of the fun time animatronics oh. were built for. But then Circus Baby ate a child and they shut down the whole restaurant. And now all the fun time animatronics are in the underground bunker at sister location to be okay. rented out by Circus Baby's rentals. The parental company or whatever. Yeah. Yep. It was the beta test for the rest for, for Fuzzbear's yeah. Pizza, basically. That I feel right now like I did in 10th grade trying to learn logarithms. <laughs> I had a much easier time learning logarithms than I did FNAF lore. Circus Circus Baby's Pizza World is the name for like the made up restaurant in Ren and Stimpy cartoons. Like that's like <laughs> yeah. that is what this is. Like that is a throwaway yeah. name. Like that's too ridiculous to make sense. Okay. Yeah. This is to to draw a, a better middle school comparison. This is like when we rushed through all the all the kings leading up to like the French Revolution. <laughs> and my teacher just threw out like, all right, and here's like the next six kings between yeah. with what we last cared about and the next thing we care about. Their names are all going to be on their te- on the test. There's no context for any of this, but you need to know it. And yeah. now here's the next big like and here's the next big like actual point in history. It's, we're it's that one year where you cover Mesopotamian, ancient Mesopotamia <laughs> through to King Edward II up to the American Revolution so that you can cover American history for the next three years. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Rolling along. Sister location confirms that the FNAF 4 bite, uh, the bite that we see in FNAF 4 is the bite of 1983. This has been a huge point of contention. This crying child becomes Golden Freddy. There's a whole bunch of minigame details that prove all this. Just, just accept it. I hate accept everything it. you just said. Everything okay. you just said. I, how do the... I feel I, like I've confirmed question. that this bite has happened like six different times. Yeah. And I we are going to I, keep confirming that it I happened. No longer, I, too, I no longer care about this bite. But second question. Explain how do the kids become... Is this like a souls fuse with the with the robots thing? Yeah. Like, how does the crying child become Golden Freddy? Is, is this it what a soul scooping fuse? Does is this what the spring trap? Is this robots what the kids do? are calling scooping nowadays? Is so, it, <laughs> is it is it everything? Is it nothing? So, like, 
we're gonna get there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't okay. Know what I'll else shut to up. Say. Um, All right, keep going. Keep going. Long, long story short is that like some some patriarchal kid soul inserts the souls of dead kids into other robots. All right, keep going. I was better off <laughs> yeah. before we found that out. Let's just keep, let's keep moving forward. Push Great. forward. Push on. Push on. After 1983, William Afton uses the spring trap suits to lure kids into the secret safe rooms that exist. Also, he poses as a security guard at the FNAF 2 location, but as the day shift guy, you, the night shift guy, move to days and get in the bite of 1987. Wait, so you you are the kid in the, the 87 bite? Or no, you you're just the, like, you're there's the guard. a whole lot of biting that happened on that day, and you also got bit. Okay. Let me, let, let me re-explain that. The bite of 83 is the like, it's, it's the like linchpin story bite. The bite okay. of 87 is the one that gets mentioned in FNAF 1 and then doesn't ever really come back. Um, what we have figured out is that in FNAF 2, you start as the night guard. The day guard gets fired because he's being investigated for something. <laughs> because he's a Probably murderer. all these kids that go missing and or die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Uh, you move into the day shift position and then you the day shift guy end up as the bite of 87 victim who is just a MacGuffin in FNAF one. Okay. Mm. Yep. Gotcha. Cool. Um, also now confirmed you play as Michael who looks a lot like William Afton, which is why we thought he was William Afton, but he's not. He definitely isn't Michael being Uh, his son. Michael is his son. He is the one who gets scooped and gets worn as a skin suit by Ennard, but then his body rots, so Ennard just bails out of his mouth hole, and Mike somehow survives after getting everything scooped out of him and replaced with the robot, and then the robot leaves, and then Michael is just like a skin suit that walks around. So out of everything you've said, that is the most unbelievable. Oh, (laughs) I'm the uh, I'm the exact opposite of everything you've said so far. That's the that's the first thing. I'm like, sure, like sure, like, the, <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna t- they're gonna like put out another book in in a year that's like because Ennard rebuilds the the consciousness of bodies it inhabits or something yeah. and and sure like he, walking skin suit is my favorite Castlevania boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't need a, I don't need to know why Michael survived getting scooped and having a robot live in his rotting body because it makes as much sense as everything else yeah fuck it i'm here for it let's go let's do it right let's talk a little bit about michael uh he ends up as the security guard in fnaf one and then gets fired because he smells like the rotting corpse that he is all right um sure (laughs) yep uh in the fnaf one at the end of the game you get a pink slip and it says on the pink slip, you got fired for odor. That's where people take that from. Oh. Um, he also takes the security job at the FNAF 2 location, but is fired day one because, again, of odor. That's because he's a zombie. Slip. Yep, because he is a zombie. Mike goes from location to location to free the souls of the kids that his father killed and to find his murderous father. He finally gets to him at Fazbear's Fright, the FNAF 3 location, and sets the building on fire to kill him. Hmm. That track? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure, why not? So, so the whole thing is a revenge story. Yes. Yes, definitely. We've so tra- you, we've play, walked- you play as Mike now. We, it's confirmed that you play as Michael for the first three games. 
Um, for one and three. Yeah. Oh, um, for one and three. Yeah. Oh, because you play the other security guard too. Yeah. So okay. So how is him surviving five nights or taking revenge on his father? So Question. his his goal is to find his father and kill him, which is what he tries to do by setting the FNAF three location on fire. Okay. And he probably would have had a better job had he not been working opposite security shifts of his father in the third one. Yeah. It seems it seems like a phone call would have helped. In the third one, in the third one, <laughs> William Sorry. Afton is not playing a security guard. William Afton is walking around as Springtrap. Ah. Yeah. Ah, um, of course. Of course. Yes, right. Obviously. How could you have missed that? Um, the secret final cutscene of Sister Location shows that William Springtrap Afton survives the fire of Fazbear's Fright and... Michael Afton has not succeeded in killing his father. That's unfortunate. Is do we have Springtrap in the thing? In yes, it should be like picture number yeah, three ish. That's, that's the that's the really like gross, moldy looking bunny. Uh, it's it's picture eight. 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 Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Okay, gross. Yep. It is really gross. Yes. So okay, so Michael is a zombie with Michael a robot heart, zombie, but also a but also a zombie robot. And Michael is a robot zombie who's been set on fire but lives. <laughs> no, no William. William is the robot zombie who's been set on fire but lives. And Michael is a zombie robot. No, he's not really well, a Michael, robot. Michael he, was a zombie he, that had a robot inside yeah. of him, but the robot left. Yeah. Oh, totally different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely different. <laughs> that on nutshell. All right. Everybody ready to move on to the next game? Let's do yeah, it. Fuck sure. yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's talk about Freddy Fazbear's pizza simu- Pizzeria Simulator. Um... It's, well, it's a before game. we get before we get into any of the lore, <laughs> I want to make sure I understand. This is like this is like overcooked, but five <laughs> night, but dipped in five nights of Freddy's. Like that's the that's the gameplay in this game. Is like, I have it written down here as this game is like Mario Party and FNAF smacked together, all wrapped underneath Roller Coaster Tycoon. Cool. So those are so three perfect. games they just crammed together. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's like mini games. Uh, a business sim, all with a Five Nights and Freddy's skin on Jump it. scares. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That is, is exactly what it and, is. And you're about to give us, like, just the most asinine buck wild lore so far, too. <sighs> Holy sure. shit, yeah. yeah. Oh, I just am. I'm so I Open am. a hole in my brain and just shove it in. I'm ready. Okay. Let's do Bring it. Bring it on. All right. So for the setup here, right now, from what we know, going into FNAF 6... FNAF 3 and the events at Fazbear's Fright are the latest point in the timeline. Yep. So at the end of FNAF 3 and the Happiest Day minigame, which is like this really particular minigame in FNAF 3 where the, all of the souls of the dead kids come together and the puppet delivers the last dead kid soul to the right animatronic. And then they all have a birthday party and they all float away into eternity and are happy and don't haunt the animatronics anymore. Oh, good. Yep. So, so the series That's, is done for the for the like four main <laughs> animatronics. Shut up, Todd. <laughs> this never so is here's done. what we have left after FNAF three in the Happiest Day minigame. We have Springtrap, who is William Afton. We have Innard, um, who is like also walking around with all of the pieces and parts of the FNAF five fun time robots who have come together to make innard who crawled inside uh michael afton but mike afton threw him up 
Ennard who replaced Michael as his Ennards. Yes, exactly. That's the point. You got it. And then we have have Mike Afton, and then we have the puppet. Those are, like, the only characters that we have going into Timeline Point at FNAF 6. But between the release of FNAF 5 and the release of FNAF 6, Scott Cawthon's two websites got in a fight with each other through their source code. Um, and what we found out was that Baby got kicked out of the Ennard hive mind. So now Ennard is walking around as Molten Freddy, which is picture number 12. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's a really cool one. Yeah, that's, uh, really, that's pretty rad. And then Baby becomes Scrap Baby and somehow finds roller skates and like the clamp arm and is <laughs> 13. All right. Yep. Scrap Scrap Baby is my favorite roller derby team. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good roller derby name. And I want some clarification. When you s- You're not going to get it. <laughs> when you say Scott Cawthon's two websites had an argument <laughs> and lore came out of that, can you explain what that means? Is sure. this like... And so is this like... Just... What? <laughs> Are these like two fan websites had an argument and like no? Nope. And this is the the conclusion. So this is two websites run by yep. Scott Cawthon. Uh huh. Yes. Had a what I'm assuming is like staged online argument. Yep. That. And and what what did that in, entail? What did that involve? What did this online like? How? How did two websites run by the same guy argue with each other? And and what over what? I'm I'm very confused. <laughs> I'm very hung up on this. <laughs> this broke Kyle. <laughs> mostly because I mostly because I'm I I've never believed Scott Cawthon knew what he was doing <laughs> in the first place. That's accurate. And <laughs> And this is just too much. This is too much for me to handle. <laughs> so Scott Cawthon has two websites. He has scottgames.com. Okay. And he has fnafworld.com. Okay. Those two websites are where little teaser images and different things will get uploaded. Okay. Um, people have learned throughout like 10 years of Scott, Car- Scott Cawthon's bullshit that you always have to be like watching the source code because weird things will pop up in the source code. In so like the code of these websites, not yes. just like what he's posted on the websites, but the actual code behind it, he'll he'll plug little easter eggs in for for insane people to find. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. So, between the release of Sister Location and Pizzeria Simulator, there was a a conversation going on between the two websites in the source codes. So like you could you could find a sentence in the source code of FNAF World and then a response sentence in the source code of scottgames.com. Has Scott Cawthon seen has he sought professional like medical help? Kyle, who needs professional medical help when you've seen the cosmic truth? <laughs> is the is the final twist going to be that like Scott Cawthon has been dead the whole time and huh. his son's AI's zombie body has been making these games the whole time. 
because this feels like a confession to me. Not, not exactly. Like, we're now we're now entering like, like this is all evidence in court. <laughs> Ten years from today, and that's the final part of this whole story. Is like Scott Coffin is actually a serial killer and detailed all his crimes through these. Scott's these been dead games. for years. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about FNAF 6. Um, so from, from this argument, you get that um, Ennard has like kicked baby out of the hive mind and now they are two separate things. So that gives us our next character of FNAF 6. And boy, oh boy, here comes the exposition. So this game, like I said, is like Mario Party and FNAF just like wrapped up in Roller Coaster Tycoon. And... You are playing a business simulator in the business simulator. You can put in like games and characters that give you mini games to play. And then at the end of each day of your business simulator, you get to play salvage mission. And that's the like main five nights story arc of this game. At the end of every night, you've got to salvage old animatronics that you find in the alley because of paragraph four in your contract, which is just like this MacGuffin they keep referring to that paragraph four says you got to do it. Nice. Sure. Yep. So at the end of each night, some lonely animatronic stumbles its way to your back door and you pull it in and take it apart. Which um, seems problematic. This mm. is so this is weirdly like Pokemon now, like you're you're recruiting these animatronics to your just like Pokemon. pizza. I mean, it's 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 the Pokemon knockoff. It's your. You're... I'm gonna point you in a different direction. It's okay. less Pokemon and more asset like, asset more management. Like, yeah, more like Repo Man. Like these these things are coming to your place of business, and you are not installing them into your business simulator. This is like a whole nother part of the game, and you are ripping parts out of these animatronics because reasons. Okay. All right. Yep. Well, no, no, On Matt, it's, it's because paragraph four. Because paragraph four, exactly. Yeah. Um, sure. Which I think is just the word reasons written in fancy <laughs> text. <laughs> um, reasons. Yeah. So, turns out this whole pizzeria in FNAF 6 was created by Henry. Remember him? Wait, no. Henry No Name? I gotta, the good guy. The guy who yeah. was definitely not a kill, yeah. a murderer. Yep, good guy who built the good robots. He built this pizzeria... To lure in all of the animatronics filled with remnant, which is soul goo. Yes. Uh, um, ding. Yep. And William Afton as Springtrap to burn them all and destroy them for good. That's the whole plan of FNAF 6. That's actually why anyone builds a pizzeria anywhere. <laughs> why? <laughs> what are, why do these people are so complicated? <laughs> Um, this is actually what Pizzagate was about. <laughs> okay, so that, that's the main plot of six, is that Henry has built this pizzeria to lure in all of the remnant, which is soul goo, that they've taken and injected into robots, and also William Afton, who is this like zombie robot spring trap thing, to bring them all into this restaurant and burn it down and, and end it all. Um, Hey, guess what? This game introduces a new bear. His name is Lefty. Lefty is FNAF pick number 14. Dude, Lefty yeah. fucks. 
Lefty, lefty, looks lefty like, does certainly fuck. Lefty, lefty looks like he is a lounge singer, and he's ready to like. Yeah. he's ready to croon to you. He's got that like static wink. My first thought is it's it's shiny Freddy. It's which is a Pokemon, another Pokemon thing. Go on. Well, I, w- I would say that Golden Freddy is shiny Freddy. This no, is but the all mega the good evolution. Shinies, all the sh- all the good shinies are are like just the the that Pokemon, but black. It, this is so Freddy's Galarian form. All right, yeah, nerds, get it together. <laughs> nope, <laughs> this is a Pokemon podcast now. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lefty the Bear, Henry built Lefty to capture the puppet, who is actually Henry's daughter. Okay. Yep. Lefty has already captured the puppet by FNAF 6. Oh. So, Lefty was like... Basically, Henry built Lefty and was like, go find the puppet that has my daughter Solgu in it and bring it back here. And Lefty was like, great. A, a perfectly normal sentence. <laughs> Lefty is in this game. Yes. Has already like achieved his purpose before right. the events of the game start. Correct. Okay. Hmm. Yes. Okay. What's important of that isn't much to do with Lefty. It's just important to know that the puppet makes it to the FNAF 6 location. Cool. Gotcha. We also find out that Baby's real name is Elizabeth. Like, the, the soul goo that inhabits Baby is Elizabeth. Not really sure why that matters. We just find that out. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about some of the more important mini-games from FNAF 6. Oh, like, please, I, let's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about... Uh, like FNAF uh, mini games for the next 10 years and you wouldn't glean anything from it. So I'm just going to talk about pretty much the ones that are really important. Um, Security Puppet, Fruity Maze, and Midnight Motorist. Those are the three FNAF 6 mini games to know. So Security Puppet explains all that lefty stuff to us. That's just what we learn. Fruity Maze is kind of this, like, Pac-Man sort of, like, go through the maze and collect all the fruit. Fruity maze. Um, except as you play the minigame more and more, it gets glitchy and gets dark, and then there's this girl that's reflected in the screen that you can see who is crying, and if you brighten up the image, you see that Springtrap is behind her. Um, who is she? Also, why do you stop collecting fruit and start collecting dead dogs halfway through this mini game? Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys remember Mangle from like way back in FNAF 2? No. Is there a picture of Mangle? Yes. Um, oh, is it the weird, the weird, is it number four? It is number four. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. All right. So Mangle from way back in FNAF 2. Uh, guess what? He's possessed by this girl's dead dog and is also William Afton's first experiment with Remnant Solgu. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. So, so Mangle is, is dog Solgu? Dog Solgu, yes. Um, also, we postulate that because Mangle is the only animatronic that walks on four legs and for some other reasons. Um, but William Afton was like, I bet that I can take soul goo out of living things and put it into animatronics. Let me just swipe this girl's dog and see what happens. Okay, so that was patient zero. Yep. Whenever Matt says, because of this and some other reasons, in my mind, it changes to 
two other reasons that only make sense if you've spent 60 plus hours tearing apart this lore. That's Just exactly for everyone what I mean. at home, mm-hmm. so we're all on the same page. It the the answer is always after you've spent 60 hours exploring this lore, it yeah. makes sense. I I still I hope I I don't believe I hope, but I don't believe I'll get an answer to why the soul goo is important and what it does. That's a question I just had for a long time now. There, that comes back. You do get an answer to that question. <laughs> oh boy! Um, it, but, it comes but back. But that answer asks ten more questions. Yeah. It's a real J.J. Abrams situation. <laughs> yes. So, um, Mangle is possessed by this girl's dead dog. William tells this girl that her dog is still alive. Um, he tells her that because he's going to kill her and then take her remnant. Mm. You get the point. It's yep. a serial killer plot. Um, so now let's move to the next mini game, Midnight Motorist. This one is very important. Um, you get a lot of lore from this one. It introduces Orange Guy because that's what we needed. Another colored sprite. All right. So in Midnight Motorist, it shows Orange Guy driving to a house in the middle of the woods, which we're pretty sure is the house from FNAF 4. Which is the one where you're um William's kid Henry's son no wait so so <laughs> no. here is no no here's you thought, where shit st- yeah go yep. ahead no you're good here's where shit starts to get really confusing um the twisted <laughs> oh one, here's where it is yeah the twisted ones confirms the FNAF house from FNAF 4 as Henry's house yes that's what I meant but all this other shit leads to it being the Afton's house oh okay all right yep We'll we'll talk about like a final answer to that later. Um, but just know that this is likely the house from FNAF 4. In the house, we find Mike Afton and discover his younger brother who has run away. And turns out that Orange Guy is actually Purple Guy, <laughs> who you. is definitely William Afton. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um Oh, hey, that box from FNAF 4. Do you guys remember me talking about a locked box that popped Actually, up yes. at the end? And yes. like, who knows what's in the box? Um, yeah. So that box from FNAF 4 comes back. It's like symbology. Forget about it. Doesn't fucking matter. Wow. Also, like Kingdom Hearts, there is a box that never gets opened that doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And people are really upset about it. Are people really upset about it? People are really upset about everything ever. That's true. <laughs> yep. Um, cool. Remember that girl from that mini game with the dead dogs? Yeah. Her name is Susie and she goes on to possess Chica. Um, yep. Yeah. If you do all the things to get the lore keeper ending, you see her name on a gravestone that lines up with the core four animatronics. Um, that's the lore keeper ending mm-hmm. of FNAF six, Freddy Fazbear's pizzeria simulator. Um, it's like play all the mini games, see all the cutscenes, get the lore keeper ending. That gravestone image tells us that the puppet's name is either Charlotte or Charlie. Uh, and you can also see similarities from the books and the games in Midnight Motorist, but it's fine. Just know that you can. It's fine. Cool. Super cool. Yes. Great. The coolest. Let's talk about the fucking survival logbook, a kid's activity book that you guessed it contains lots and lots of lore. That's so I, I do want to I want to say one quick thing. And I'm looking I'm kind of following along on Matt's notes, and it's really funny to see almost every line either starts with guess what? Oh, look it. 
oh fuck now it's <laughs> well you remember the, the like when we talked about ava and kingdom hearts and we talked about how your notes just like mm-hmm. chronicle Gets. your descent yeah. into madness yeah. yeah i mean as i was watching 10 hours of fnaf lore videos typing yeah, it's, this, I was it's like, very real yeah like you just hit a point you're like oh guess what who knew <laughs> great so before we jump into the survival logbook Yes, Kyle. This is a video game series. Correct. That in order to fully understand the lore and the story behind it, yep. I have to buy a children's coloring book. <laughs> and? Six years later. Yes. Yes, you're super correct. Here go I'm... the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've now entered more of a quiet rage, Todd. <laughs> I mean, it's not any better than Final Fantasy 15, which made you buy a straight-to-DVD, uh, very, very subpar CG animated movie yeah, to understand as the prologue to the game. We watched that movie in one of my sound design classes for the purpose of learning sound design. But oh, go on. Huh. Um, fi- we're we're not Final Fantasy's misgivings. Do not excuse Five Nights at Freddy's misgivings. Either. Maybe we'll we'll cover that on a different episode. Um, what aboutism is a thing, and <laughs> we don't need to get into it in our, in our video game podcast. Great. So let's talk about this coloring book with lore clues in it. Um, if you follow all these tiny hints in the survival logbook, I hate it, and follow the numerology to create the cipher code that lines up with the word search, you'll find out the identity of Golden Freddy. How great is that? This shit is absolutely bananas. I feel it like I'm watching bananas. National Treasure play out right now. <laughs> I was I was going to say it, reading a Dan Brown book, but yeah. It's it's all the same. Are we sure Michael Coffin isn't Dan Brown? Scott Coffin. Scott Coffin. <laughs> Unsure if Dan Brown. <laughs> Yeah, so this book is bananas. Also, we find out that this book used to belong to Michael, who is definitely Mike Afton, who is certainly Mike from Sister Location. So are we talking about him being like the kid then? Like he's the nightmare kid. (laughs) Oh boy, guess what? We're going to keep going. Also, this book is possessed by Golden Freddy. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So... So this book used to belong to Michael Afton is definitely possessed by Golden Freddy. Hey, guess what? We definitely play as Michael Afton in FNAF 4, the nightmare game in the bedroom, because Mike Afton is the crying child and the bite of 83 victim. So that makes sense because of all the medical stuff that was there. Yes. But I thought, and he he survived the bite of 83? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. He survived the bite of '83, and okay. the ulcers and the ulcers. scooping, <laughs> and, and the, the robot scooping. living inside his dead skin. Holy shit! This guy's like the Teddy Roosevelt of FNAF. Just like him, <laughs> he could survive anything. <laughs> Turns out, what we find out from the survival logbook <laughs> is that Michael Afton is connected to every game, and this whole series is about him. Oh. This whole thing. Whole damn things about Michael Afton. This is this is like after this is like learning that Star Wars is actually about Anakin, not Luke. And yes, and you learn this in a coloring book. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. This is okay. the Luke I am your father moment, but you get it in a coloring book. I'm weird. So mad. Yeah. Um I'm so, so upset. what we also find out is that Midnight Motorist happens immediately after the very first murder at Fred Bears. So the events of Midnight Motorist the minigame happen immediately after the very first murder at Fred Bears. This means that this whole time Michael has been the little brother and not the older brother, which we thought he was through this whole series. That sentence means nothing to me. I but, didn't know there were two brothers. But no, what I'm, I, I what was I'm, paying attention. I knew that, but I don't know who the older brother is then. I don't think it matters. What I'm hung up on is that like the continuity of what is supposed to be an arcade game in a pizzeria <laughs> is like tied to the real life events that we're supposed to be caring about. Do you, do you understand, like, Midnight, like, the fact that Midnight Motor, Motorist has the events of that game are, happen and are, like, tied to the events in the real life of this game? Yeah, it's like, it's like if 20 years later somebody was like, hey guys, actually the story behind Pac-Man is that the four ghosts are the spirits <laughs> of his four children that, that he murdered. Uh, for all of don't, these reasons. Don't get into it because you know there's stuff on the internet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kyle too. I don't <laughs> think this is going to make you feel any better, but just to it's like not. respond to what you said, remember that the entire pizzeria of FNAF six was all built and orchestrated by Henry to lure all of these people. in. Sure. But, right. like, those could have all just been arcade games and didn't need to have, like, story based on this guy who's upset that he's robots killed kids. Like, it, this is... <laughs> it's, it's really... It's Matt, just keep, really let's, keep, let's keep pushing. Let's keep yeah, pushing through. Let's do it. So, um, let's talk about Sister Location. There was this TV show in the cutscenes... Between the Nights of Sister Location, it's called The Immortal and the Restless. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was. It was actually like I watched some of the I watched some of that cutscene. It's actually pretty funny. Like, yeah, it becomes part of the like the comic delivery at the end because he's the dude's watching it with his exotic butters. Yes, he's watching it with his exotic butters and his calming bongo music. And there is this this TV show about a vampire who loves a woman. It's called The Immortal and the Restless. This might be drawing a parallel that William Afton is actually a vampire-like creature who survives on the remnant of children. It's of minimal importance and is definitely not for sure. But the books show us that William is capable of building a hyper-realistic human AI robots. As vampires do. Michael, his son, may be one of those hyper-realistic human AI robots. It's unclear. Okay. Yes. Well, we, we know he's a robot. He's a zombie robot. So, so Michael Afton might be <laughs> no a response. vampire. That's probably better. <laughs> who lives on the soul goo of children. And Michael Afton, did I say that right? William Afton might be a vampire who survives on the soul goo of children. And Michael Afton might be a hyper-realistic human AI robot. That isn't a sentence I thought I would hear today. I like... 
a, a hyper-realistic human AI robot that later gets scooped by a different robot thinking it's a human to live in its human skin. What? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I guess it... I guess it'll explain why it can survive as just a skin sack. Kyle, you got it. You're right. You're following, man. You're in. <laughs> you won, Kyle. You won. <laughs> I hate that's the test. <laughs> You've transcended. So, so I'm fo- you you're 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 right in that I'm following the story. Am I supposed to be absolutely confused? <laughs> you aren't not supposed to be absolutely confused. Shut up. Shut your mouth. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the like big turn reveal that we get from the Twisted Ones, and also the third FNAF book called the Fourth Closet, which is like bonkers. Um, that's where we find out that uh, William is capable of building these hyper realistic human AI robots. It's super not important, and it's a spoiler for the book, but. The main character is definitely one, and she definitely has sex with like a regular ass guy, and and that's just glazed over. Cool. All right. Yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> so let's talk about the last game in the series, shall we? How's that sound? Thank Christ. So let's talk about Five Nights at Freddy's Ultimate Custom Night, the last game released in the series. So of- far. Well, Asterisk. We've, we've gotten two other games. Well, we've gotten one more game and another game that has been announced, but we're going to talk about that later. And their lore doesn't build into this, so we're gonna we're gonna not talk about those for now. Or we're does it? Call. How do you know the lore doesn't yeah. build into this? <laughs> right, well, nothing right, makes Kyle. sense anyway. Right, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, guess what? Last weekend, a new lore video came out that connects these new games coming out to all of this lore. But I wasn't going to dump that on you because I didn't want to hurt your fraction or your. Fragile human brain. I can't talk anymore. Matt, oh nothing. Not, we've left what makes sense a week and a half ago. <laughs> none of this is making it. None of this makes any sense anyway. So why shouldn't new games that don't tie into the lore actually secretly tie into the lore? Once I buy three more, uh, pu- like jigsaw puzzles. That actually spell out all the lore. Kyle, done, Kyle got is norted. Kyle is what color Yoshi is best level of angry right now, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> oh boy! So let's talk about FNAF Ultimate Custom. Night. Well, no, I'm sure there can't be any lore to this game. It's just about dumping all the yeah. robots into one game. Oh boy, Todd, you know better than that. <laughs> it's just a, it was really just a remix or re-release, right? Guess what? Right? This shit is a whole ass game and it is absurdly difficult. Um, So Ultimate Custom Night, the best way that I can describe it is similar to Far From Home, Um, like Spider-Man Far From Home. So Endgame was Pizzeria (laughs) Simulator. (laughs) (laughs) Infinity War was uh, Sister Location. Endgame was Pizzeria Simulator. And now we have this like epilogue that sort of wraps up some some loose ends but also explains more. So ultimate custom okay, night. That makes it, sense. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I was like, come on, this one's got a, this one tracks ultimate custom night is similar to super smash Bros. ultimate. Everybody's here. Fucking just everybody. Minor ass characters from minor league games. We've got the mediocre melody crew from FNAF six. Orange man, purple man, 
Kool-Aid man. We'll talk about them later. We also get, and I'm going to mention this, and then I'm not going to come back to it until the end of the episode because it's not important right now, but there's this character. His name is Old Man Consequences. <laughs> that's that's my, my favorite D&D quest giver is Old Man Consequences. So Old Man Consequence looks... <laughs> looks really similar to like a red missing no from the original Pokemon games, except he's got a fishing pole. Um, He's from FNAF world. (laughs) You didn't give us a picture of him and I need to see him. No. um, Looks like missing no, like a nondescript block of glitch with an eye, except it has a fishing pole. He he's can I, can I, can I try again, Matt? Go ahead. Think like, think like, okay, so remember all these guys are like sprites, like pitfall era sprites. Yeah. So he, well, I'm looking at a picture. He looks like a, like a, a man with an alligator's head. Yeah. Okay. Which is, I think is just a hat, but it looks like an alligator's yeah, head. It looks like <laughs> all like the, all the, the fan art that I'm finding. Um, is, oh, the fan art is making him an alligator, an alligator yeah. demon. I just put him in as number, uh, it will be number 15 in the FNAF picks document and on the Imgur page, which will drop with this episode. Um, but it is in there now as yeah. number 15. That is old man consequence. Okay. Um, we're not going to talk about him for this whole like lore. We'll, we'll come back to him at the end of the episode. So I, just I, know. I want to clarify though, that old man consequence only appears in the game as this like eight bit pixel sprite and not these like, weird robot fan creations i'm seeing those are just fan creations correct the 8-bit pixel sprite that i put into the fnaf pick stock is the only thing we ever see of old man consequence he is also the only character from fnaf world the weird rpg game that shows up in ultimate custom night Hmm. not important to the lore we're talking about now i thought you said everybody was there Right. Yeah, everybody except the, like, bajillion people in FNAF world. Um, okay, so you get more, or you get most of the lore in Ultimate Custom Night from characters' lines that they say after you die. Um, so if you want to get all the lore from this game, you got to play it and die a whole bunch, which luckily for you is really easy because this game is hard as shit. Um, turns out what we get from all this lore is that you can't die Slash, maybe you can die, but you always come back. Um, this game is literally set in hell, and you are playing as William Afton, burning in eternity for his sins in the form of Ultimate Custom Night. Oh. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. All of these lines refer back to the one you should not have killed. They don't really specify who this person is. It just keeps saying that, like, you're here because, well, you, yada, 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 the one you should not have killed. Gotcha. Some of these voice lines lead us to believe that this person, the one you should not have killed, is male. We also start to get a lot of info from the Mediocre Melody crew from FNAF 6. They are now picture number 16 in the document. Um, That's a B-list squad. Yes, it is a. <laughs> if very I ever B-list saw squad. one, <laughs> and yeah. 
And that's sort of the like whole shtick joke of um, FNAF 6 Pizzeria Simulator is that like when you have low level money and you're buying these like animatronics, they are B list. They are clearly knockoffs. They are shtick like like one of them. I don't remember. Mr. Hugs might be his name. He's literally a vacuum cleaner with googly eyes yes. and like paper arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's all sorts of stuff like that in FNAF 6. Um, but the mediocre melody crew are in ultimate custom night and they have just a whole bunch of lines that give you a whole bunch of information. Um, questionably the one you should not have killed possesses the mediocre melodies. That person also may just control the mediocre melodies because they apparently what we, what we can guess is that they were just animatronics. They were like run of the mill, Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. They are here because the Blank one you slates should... for an evil demon to an an evil rage ghost to possess and exact its revenge with. Gotcha. Exactly. Yep. They just they got plopped in this hellscape because the one you should not have killed said so. Now, if you beat the whole ass game, like if you if you go 202020 mode on all the animatronics at like Markiplier level god tier, you see a twitchy Golden Freddy as the very final cutscene, and this is the one you should not have killed. How do we know that? Does it say, like, I am the one you should not have killed? Or I think it's not. implying it. It's just the, the game is kind of leading up to yep, that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's the, like, so Golden Freddy is sort of the character that we just don't get answers for throughout all of this series. And when you beat the whole game and everything is done, quotes, um, and, and there's nothing left to haunt you, you see Golden Freddy still twitching, still unsettled, still drawing you back in for more as the one you should not. I thought play. Golden Freddy was Michael Afton. Maybe. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. 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 Cool. Actually cool. Actually, as a cucumber. As, as much as it can be, yes. So. Here's the thing. That is all of the lore from the first six games and five books. That, that's everything. And like I said way back at the top of this episode, this is the way that we, the fans of FNAF, have gotten this lore. It's come out piece by piece through these games. There have been a lot of doubling back. There's been a lot of questions. There's been a lot of like, well, we thought it was this, but now this says it's this. There's been a ton of like, not Scott Coffin retconning, but fans retconning what we have believed to be the final truth. Mm -hmm. So this is there is the information dump. Now you, in a way, feel the way that we, the FNAF fans, have felt for the last 10 years as stupid shit has just been thrown on top of us and we have been told to figure it out. So now what I'm going to do here at the end of this episode as I am going to walk you through what we now believe is the Purple Guy Saga timeline. A couple of things to preface this. This is what we have learned from all of the games, and we have made some assumptions to fill in some gaps. The one major rule that we have followed here is that new information outweighs old information. And okay. that's the reason? Yep, the theory community has decided on this because we all know that at like FNAF 1 and FNAF 2, 
Scott Cawthon had no idea where this was going. At least we think that he didn't have any idea where this was going, especially it's, in FNAF It's pretty one. clear. It's pretty yeah. clear. Right. So if there is a major contradiction between like FNAF 5 and FNAF 1 or 6 and 2. You err mm-hmm. on the side of the coloring book, not yep. the first game. Yeah, exactly. Which is why like some of this stuff, like we take lore from the books, which aren't technically game canon that contradict game canon because that information is newer and it fits the timeline better. So we, the theory community, we, the Royal, we have taken all of the information we have gotten accepted the newest information as the most reliable and plugged in holes from things that have any sort of confirmed canonicity, whether it's book canonicity, whether it's game canonicity. Um, If, if somebody that somebody being Scott Cawthon has said, yeah, that shit's real. We'd said, okay. Canonicity is definitely uh, not a word. Yeah. <laughs> really? That feels like a real word to me. No, it just sounds like a police album. That, okay. <laughs> there's, there's the joke that I didn't know how to make. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Are you guys ready? We're going to jump into the timeline. Canonicity <laughs> is a word. <laughs> Boom. I knew wow. it. I knew the it was The definition a word. of West, which is the fact or status of being canonical. So, damn. Points to Matt, negative points to Andrew, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. I accept it. All right, man, give it to us. Open up the fire hose. Here we go. So, beginning of the Purple Guy saga. Five kids going missing at the FNAF 1 location is the very first thing to happen. It happens years before the location closes. This is confirmed by Midnight Motorist. Also, I'm going to try and, like, plug in where we get the main information from. Cool. As we go. Chica, who is the girl named Susie, is killed first by Afton after he told her that her dog died. Which Afton? Uh, William. William Afton. Yeah. Because he, because he tested out the, the dog, the, the goo, the people do, the people goo on the dog. Yeah. So technically you could say that the dog died first, but, um, Susie is the first one killed. Golden Freddy, whose name is Cassidy, is killed next. Cassidy's name comes from the survival logbook. Cassidy. That's the coloring book? Yes. I thought the coloring book revealed that Golden Freddy was Michael. No. The coloring book reveals that Michael is the victim of the bite of 83 and the crying oh, child. Oh, I read does, Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's my bad. Freddy golden. Freddy is also the book. Yes. What the I, book is possessed. Oh, by cause I, that's I, what it was. I had to go. I had to go back and check that. <laughs> okay. Yes. Sorry. Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Yep. So, um, golden Freddy Cassidy is killed second and was killed at Fazbear's pizza. We learn this from the voice lines in Ultimate Custom Night that you hear after you die. And this. Okay. That's the one who should not have been killed. Yes. Correct. I, theoretically, that hasn't been con- necessarily confirmed. Right. That Golden Freddy is the one that should not have been killed, but it's heavily implied. Correct. Okay. The other three kids die in an order that is unimportant, and they go on to possess Bonnie, Foxy, and Freddy. Mm-hmm. Um, normal then, Freddy OG Freddy yeah, just regular regular ass Freddy Fazbear's Pizza closes because of the child death and then 
William Afton opens Circus Baby's Pizza World as like a, well, I can't use the Fazbear's Pizza guys. I'm going to do Circus Baby's Pizza World. Elizabeth Afton, Elizabeth Afton, excuse me, William's daughter is scooped and killed by Baby on opening day of Circus Baby's Pizza World. She then goes on to possess Baby. Cool. Makes sense, which is a weird mm-hmm. phrase to say, but yes. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Circus Babies closes, and all of the humanoid animatronics are moved into storage where they'll be revisited in sister location. At the same time that all of this is going on, Fredbear's Family Diner is operating. Fredbear's Family Diner is the location of the mini games and cutscenes in FNAF 4. We get this from teaser images that were released on Scott Cawthon's website. <laughs> we can also place this in the timeline due to Nightmare Balloon Boy being canon in the FNAF 4 Halloween update. This means that Balloon Boy came from Circus Babies and would have been seen by the child having the nightmares in FNAF 4. William Afton is working at Fredbear's Family Diner as a suit technician of some sort. So he's got, he like works for Fazbear Entertainment specifically as a suit operator. And after the child death at the FNAF 1 location, uses his suit technician skills to open up circus babies, but is still working at Fredbear's Family Diner as a suit technician. But is also like the owner of all these locations, right? Um, he is confirmed as the owner for Circus Babies Pizza World. It is like really unclear who the owner of Fazbear Entertainment is. So it's probably Michael Afton. He went back in time. All right. To, <laughs> okay. to right the wrongs. This is the, the part that's supposed to make sense. Just follow it. Um, <laughs> William Afton is working at Fredbear's Family Diner as a suit technician of some sort. Michael Afton, who is the crying child, has seen his friends and sister get killed and has been locked in a supply closet with the body of Golden Freddy. This happens in game, in in mini games. Mm -hmm. Um, We see these things happening. We have just identified the crying child as Michael Afton. Mm -hmm. Michael's birthday party is at Fredbear Family Diner. That is where he is shoved into the mouth of Freddy by his older brother and thus becomes the victim of the bite of 83. We also see that happen in a cutscene. Yes. The spirits of his dead friends come to comfort him. All right. Because that's that's the world we're in. End of sentence. Yep. Imagine coming home and being like, honey, tonight, don't worry about dinner. We're going to. What circus babies pizza world for dinner <laughs> and your fa- your wife not immediately taking the kids and leaving you forever <laughs> like the serial killer you are. Sorry. 1982 is a different time. You're right. <laughs> also, imagine your father owns a crappy Chuck E. Cheese knockoff and that's where you have to spend your birthday because oh. your father owns mm-hmm. like... Not only is your is it in your entire life, it is now like 
your birthday has to be spent there. You get no. Escape. And you were trapped in a supply closet with one of them. All, was probably all the like a awful horror or, movie stuff aside, just like yeah. the the awful reality of like my birthday <laughs> is going to be at my dad's company that he yeah. keeps talking about slash killing dogs and children for. Yeah. Yeah. And Go also on. serve shitty cardboard pizza. Um, so the new Freddy Fazbear's pizza opens. Uh, it is also open at this time pre the bite of 83. And it is the location of FNAF two in the toy animatronics. So to recap, the FNAF one location is open first. It closes. Circus baby opens. It closes day one. At the same time, Fred Bear's Family Diner is open, and the new Freddy Fazbear's Pizza is also open at the same time, because Fazbear Entertainment is a company that is just expanding. So you're saying, like... How? So you're saying, like, the the first... What is it? Fazbear's? What's the first one, Fred? Uh, the FNAF 1 location. Just call it that. Okay, that, that opens and closes. And then they open one, two, and a potential third other place. The third place closes day one. The other two places are still going. That's right. Like FNAF one location opens and closes. Then they open and they open Fred Bear's Family Diner. Um, what's the other one that's open? Fred Be- Fazbear's Pizza 2. The second Fazbear's Pizza. And then, like, they try to open Circus Babies, Circus Babies, a kid dies and closes day one. So there's still two places open. Yes, to the end of your sentence. You're super close in the middle. Um, Okay. FNAF 1 location opens. Kids go missing. It stays open. In the time between the kids going missing and it closing, Fazbear's, or um, Fredbear Family Diner and... The FNAF 2 location open. Okay. Then it, then it closes. And Circus Babies opens, but closes day one. Cool. We caught up. Got it. So we're at the FNAF 2 location. It was open pre-Bite of 83. It's the location of FNAF 2 and the one with the toy animatronics, which are picture like number two from the FNAF Picks document, I think. Uh, no, number three. Number three of the toys. Um, Michael Afton, who is the victim of the bite of 83, yes. mm-hmm. likes to run away from home and hide at the FNAF 2 location. We get this information from Midnight Motorist in the survival logbook. So his father keeps him locked in his room. Oh, shit. Under surveillance with those nightmare mind control sound emitters keeping him bedridden and scared of the animatronics. Which, obviously, is fucked up. But if you play this game or watch playthrough of this game, it's all, like, seeing the the animatronics is scary. Seeing the Nightmare Freddy is fucking horrifying. Yeah, it sucks real bad. Yeah, so, like... I don't know. I just... That's one thing that sticks to me, like, man, that sucked for this kid. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, um, Ultimate Custom Night confirms that the Nightmare animatronics are really just illusions. They're real, they're canon, but they are just illusions in this kid's brain. 
the bite of 83 still happens. So what we have figured out is that Michael Afton is like likes to run away and hide with the toy animatronics. His dad has kept him locked in his bedroom with these nightmare sound emitters, giving him nightmares about the animatronics, which are what make him scared of the animatronics and make him like cry and hide in Fred Bear's family diner, which is why it's so upsetting for him that he is there and then shoved in the mouth of Freddy. Bite of 83 still happens. Everybody with me? Yep. Yes. Cool. So there is this line that we hear. It looks like it comes from one of the little like golden Fred Bear um, dolls that we talked about being surveillance things like a year ago. Um, <laughs> the line is, I will put you back together. And we see this line after we see the bite of 83 happen. So that line, I will put you back together, is spoken by William Afton to his son, Michael Afton, after the bite of 83. And he literally rebuilds him as a robot who is a robot, but doesn't realize he's a robot. This possibility is confirmed specifically by the third book, The Fourth Closet, where the big reveal is that the main character, Charlie, is actually a hyper-realistic human AI robot the whole time. Uh, <laughs> keep, just My go. thoughts exactly. Yep. Yeah, keep no. going. Keep running. Keep running. Yep. So, this is how he can survive the scooping of Sister Location and why he has to be killed by fire at the end of FNAF 6. Baby also confirms in secret cutscenes in sister locations that Michael can't die. She just like literally says, you can't die. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, maybe that box from FNAF 4 has Michael's real body in it. The fourth closet hints at this, but it's still not but, super important. But who cares at this point? Right. Except an army of nerds. So Fred Bear's family diner closes after the bite of 83, leaving only the FNAF 2 location open. It's referred to as Juniors in Midnight Motorist. There are a bunch of other details that confirm this. So now, the only location we've got is the FNAF 2 location, which is the one that has the toy animatronics. Security Puppet was installed at the FNAF 2 location to protect Afton's daughter. But she got scooped by Baby before it mattered. Isn't Security Puppet Lefty? No, that's just the puppet. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, my bad, my bad. Yeah, Lefty was built to find the puppet. Gotcha, but um, yep. the puppet makes its first appearance in <laughs> FNAF 2. We now posture that uh, William Afton put the security puppet at this location to protect his daughter because... His son, like, was running off with the animatronics, yada, yada, yada. It's like Charlie Kelly putting, putting the cat in the wall to find the bird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Um, but before the security puppet even got a chance to do its job, um, uh, his daughter got scooped by baby. So. That's real unfortunate. <laughs> it is. Um, William isn't allowed into juniors because of the investigation into the missing children. So he kills Henry's daughter outside of the FNAF 2 location 
which is juniors. Oh, it's a good thing they kept him out of juniors. <laughs> <laughs> the animatronic security puppet that was designed to protect William Afton's daughter mistakes Henry's daughter as the one it was supposed to protect and merges with her soul goo after death. Classic mix-up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Does Scott Cawthon know that there is not an actual, like when people die, there's not soul goo? Like he knows that, right? So Henry's daughter (laughs) possessing the security puppet goes on to give life to the other lost souls trapped in the other animatronics. This is from the Save Them minigame. William Afton continues to sneak into the pizzeria and kill kids as Springtrap. The puppet puts the souls in the animatronics The animatronics attack anyone dressed as a security guard because that's how Afton sneaks in. Oh. Yeah. Mm. This leads to Jeremy Fitzgerald, who is a name that we like breezed over because it's not important. Jeremy Fitzgerald is the name on the paycheck you get Mm. at the end of FNAF 2. So it's just the character name, MacGuffin name. But this leads to Jeremy Fitzgerald, the security guard protagonist of FNAF 2, getting bit in the bite of 87. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Possessed animatronics, attack security guards. You're a security guard. Yeah, that makes sense. You get bit. Cool. Because of this, the animatronics are no longer allowed to freely roam around during the day, which is something that they talk about in FNAF 1. It feels like they shouldn't also, they should also not be allowed to freely roam around at night. Like, it seems like they're dangerous. Dangerous robots that attack security guards like they should be restrained at all times. But that's the whole point of FNAF one. They're like, oh, well, they have to like so they don't get rusted or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's like a weird hand wavy thing about it. Exactly. There's there's a because reasons. <laughs> um, so William Afton learns the power of the child souls after seeing the possessed animatronics and starts to seek remnant to be immortal. This is part of the plot of the fourth closet. After the original animatronics are sent back to the FNAF 1 location, Afton follows them to dismantle them and get the soul goo out. Because apparently you can. Um, This leads to the cutscenes of Purple Guy destroying animatronics in FNAF 3. Um, That's another cutscene we didn't talk about because we didn't really have a reason why it happened. Now we do. William Afton takes the animatronics to experiment on them and creates the fun times from sister location. This is confirmed by the fourth closet and this robot from FNAF six called candy cadet, um, which is just (laughs) another like bullshit B lister. Afton melts down the original animatronics and uses the remnant from them to give life to the fun times. The fun times are literally made up of human instrumentality. Oh, there you go. There is a callback. So to be clear, there are the original five kids that were in the original five animatronics. William Afton breaks them down, melts them all together, and then inserts new like compound soul soul goo into the fun times. 
So it's not like each fun time has one person. Yeah, it's a it's a it's all a mix. the fun times are like an amalgam they, of they all. Took, the... They took the cup and ran it down all the dispensaries at the Burger King. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's literally like they okay. each one got a drop of human instrumentality. Yeah. Um, now the children's spirits are free from their original animatronics. This is when the cutscene of the child spirits chasing Afton into the springlock suit and it trapping him inside happen. Nice. Afton, as Springtrap, is like cask of amontillado'd into the walls of the FNAF 1 location. That's, yeah, it does its whole little thing to him. Yep, there's, there's an Edgar Allan Poe drop for those still around it. Hour like almost four. Um, <laughs> in case your brain isn't total goo and you remember... 10th grade literature. <laughs> right. So now we're going to take a big jump forward to 2023. Oh. 2023 is when Fazbear's Fright opens and Springtrap is released. And William Afton has just been like cruising on Solgu this whole time. I don't really know how he stayed alive in the walls. It just, he did. He's yeah. a robot. He's a robot. Yep. Solgu. Sure. Fazbear's Fright is burned down likely by Henry trying to kill William. This is confirmed by samurai anime cutscenes in Ultimate Custom Night, which we also didn't talk about, but they're a thing what? that exists. <laughs> yeah. I'm also not convinced, like, you aren't just mad-libbing some of these, like, confirmed buys and, like, names of minigames. Like, this this kind of reads like the whole... I had a robot watch a thousand hours of commercials, of Ponderosa commercials, and it gave me this. Like I had a robot play ten thousand hours of Five Nights at Freddy's, and it gave me this. Yeah, I mean it's it really feels that way. But like Kyle, I need you right now. Just Google samurai anime cutscenes, Five Nights at Freddy's. Just give me that Google image search and and confirm for me that I'm telling the truth. Samurai, Samurai, Samurai anime cutscenes. Yep, that exists. That's a thing. Um, Ultimate Custom Night also did the internet the disservice of producing like way too much Chica Rule Thirty Four content. It's awful. It's the worst. Ooh. It's the worst mm. part of the internet. Um, Kyle, you got you got it. You see it. I I didn't i just got top 10 deadliest anime samurai over and over again but 11 Watch best Mojo. anime that's a better Sam answer. samurai anime series and movies oh here it is all cut scenes samurai right. anime fnaf there it's it is got all it. right okay, let's cool. push We're through good. let's push through yep um cool so michael reborn as a robot that his dad built goes on the hunt for the father that rebuilt him he starts in the underground bunker of Sister Location. He gets scooped and injected with Ennard, the amalgamation of the fun times. So all of the fun times had pieces of the, like, melded goo in them. And then all of the fun times came back together and reformed the super goo to make Ennard. Um, Michael survives because he's a robot, which only Baby knows because Baby is possessed by his sister and just knows is because. Um, Michael heads off as a robotic rotting corpse to find his father. Henry 
sets up the contract for the manager of the FNAF 6 Pizzeria. Michael, on the hunt for his father William, takes the job, and paragraph 4 of his contract instructs him to salvage the animatronics who come there. Henry's main goal is to get William Afton as Springtrap and also the souls of the original kids who were melted together and injected into the fun times, who then became entered, who crawled inside of Michael, <laughs> but crawled out as his body decayed and then kicked Baby out of the team and reformed as Molten Freddy. Now, here's a question. Does, <laughs> does Henry realize who Michael is at this point, do we think? Likely no. Okay. Yeah. I wonder, because that's my, my concern, is like, I wonder if Henry understands that Michael's endgame is kind of the same thing as his endgame. The the way that the story is written, it kind of just like tells you the security guard, like, hey, sorry you got caught up in all this, but thanks for helping. Nice. So it, it really doesn't seem like Henry is aware cool. who Michael is at this point. Um, Which, why should he? Yeah, exactly. Um, all of the remaining remnant is destroyed in the fire at the end of FNAF 6. Everyone except the vengeful spirit, Golden Freddy, who traps William Afton in purgatory to torture him forever. Um, and that's it. That's, that's it. That's the timeline. That's pretty simple. I, I, actually, I actually don't hate that. And here's, here's what I would say, too, is that, like, obviously the story is incredibly, like, convoluted in the internet. Detectives have done a great job putting it together. But all that build up to that like comprehensive story you just told concerningly enough makes a lot of sense right now. And like, yeah, I, I kind of love hate it. My, the story as you spelled it out here makes sense. That is a complete whole story. Nothing in that story <laughs> is worth <laughs> yeah. all the work it took to get that story to pull that story out. Like, I guess that's kind of where I'm at, too. Is like, is that's it, my whole thing. Is it cohesive? Sure. Is it a good story? Eh. Yeah. Well, and, and that's sort of the, like, the allure, of, not the lore, the allure. Yeah, the allure, allure, yeah. Yeah, of Five Nights at Freddy's is, like, it isn't about the story that's being told. It isn't yeah. about what we find out. It's about the secrets. It's about the Easter eggs. It's yeah. the fun of the hunt. The, the fun is the fun is piecing this together. I mean, yeah. Dark, Dark Souls is like this too. All the all the from software games is like that too. The story by itself is fantasy nonsense. Yeah. But but the the fun is the exploration and getting a little bit and being like, oh, but this could be connected to that. But maybe this is that. I get it. I get that. It, it's all the journey. It's not the destination. Right. Um, and that's been what's driving the fan base for the last ten years. You know, it's been fun for everyone involved who like really cares about this lore and cares about the story to find these little pieces and piece them together. I mean, there is a gigantic online community. The Reddit for FNAF is out of this world um, of people working together to solve numeric codes in a children's coloring book and to (laughs) work together to find patterns to click into bricks on the wall to unlock new mini games. Mm -hmm. And like, we didn't even talk about how to find some of the lore, you have to play mini games and then just purposely glitch through the wall to fly into other mini games. Like these, these games are so incredibly deep and involved. um, And there is so much 
to hunt down that it really it drags you in if you get interested in it if you mm-hmm. like if you become part of this community it is the hunt that drags you in and the thrill of being like well i found this number on this page of the survival logbook and it is the key piece of information to unlock this mini game from fnaf 3 like that's the fun of it all it was never about the story. It was never about the whole narrative. It's it's about the hunt, mm-hmm. and that's what it's been since day one. Well, and Do I you, think maybe um, sorry, maybe the, go the ahead, craziest go thing about it too is like it's not an easy game. So no. so <laughs> no. like you've got already this game that is tough and also scary, and then and then you have to con- find, play it, yeah. Play it in all of these broken ways to yeah. find all the story. I've I've never been one who cares enough to like hunt down the story. The it's never like I'm fine with a game that has no story. I'm fine with a game that is all only story and the gameplay is weak. It's but like this like you have to pull mine every nugget of story out of these games painstakingly and and over all these forms of media it is so much work yeah. <laughs> for no reward um hey matt I, I think we should probably we've been going on for a pretty long time yeah um why don't we close up do you have any recommendations what would you say is is a good place to start if you're interested in kind of seeing this puzzle put together without, you know, watching the hours and hours of Markiplier videos. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the, the first thing I would say, um, that I, I kind of want to like wrap up as, is that all of this crazy lore that we just talked about does nothing to point to the fact that the five nights at Freddy's games really redefined the horror game genre, like at their base, these games were a brand new mechanic and a brand new idea and have really taken the horror game world by storm and created something very new. This whole like sit and survive idea um, is really Scott Cawthon's baby. And while this story is this crazy thing that we've painted it with, it created a new style of horror game and one that's been incredibly successful and one that I I really like and think is really interesting. So if you are interested in just playing the games, don't feel like you need to jump in where we are. Um, FNAF 1 is on Steam. Go back, find it play the games from the beginning. If you have no interest in the lore, you can still play all the games and there's still a really good time. And it's super worth your time to just start at like FNAF one. Uh, if you are interested in the lore and you want to get way deeper in, uh, I will say that almost everything that I put together today was put together, really leaning on the crutches of Matt Pat and the game theory channel on YouTube. Um, And I I say that because there are like millions of theorists and and fans of this game working to put things together and everybody's got their own ideas. And this timeline that I just ran you through is what I think is the best timeline and I think is the most well-researched timeline, but is definitely not a confirmed timeline or one that is like 100% accepted by 100% of the community. So you can jump in in a couple of places. If you want to take the same ride I did and sort of like have someone hold your hand through the lore that we're at now, and then you can find more as you go, I would recommend the Game Theory channel. They've done like 40 videos on this, and all of them are very, very good. 
if you are just like, I want to dive in and I want to find my own way. Um, good subreddit. Luck. Yeah. Our FNAF. <laughs> good luck, dude. Just <laughs> good luck. Um, because it is an absolute ride. Um, and then the last thing that I, I want to say just to wrap up is that after all this today, there are still two other FNAF games. Um, there is FNAF VR help wanted, which is out already. Uh. And FNAF AR, uh, special delivery, which is due out at an undisclosed time in October. So it could be out already when this episode drops, it could be coming out in the next week. We might not hear from it for a couple of months. Um, both of those games have started sort of a new story arc and a whole new thing, but I brought up old man consequence earlier because the new belief that was like just postulated a week ago before we recorded this was in between that, recording these actually, right? Yeah. Literally in between yeah. recording these was yeah. that old man consequence, who is a character that you find going through a glitch of a glitch in FNAF world, literally an inception level bullshit. His lake is the connecting point between the FNAF world and the real world. And those two things exist simultaneously and it's all ridiculous and I'm not going to get into it. I, I'm not, I'm not, but um, FNAF VR is an a plus horrifying virtual reality game and AR looks very, very good as well. So if you want to jump in at the games, FNAF 1. If you want to get your feet wet in lore, game theory. If you want to dive all in, subreddit. Uh, if you're looking to jump into the series where it is now, get yourself VR help wanted. It is a miserable, awful, terrible ride, and I refuse to ever play it ever. Um, <laughs> and I think that's pretty much all I got. Any other wow. closing thoughts or sentiments from anybody else on this call? Uh, go get some sleep. Yeah, just, I would love uh, to. Thank you for regurgitating all of this. It's actually been, yeah. as with most of these, it's actually been really good, and I enjoy what I've learned about it. Yes, which is true for all every last one of these we've done, except for Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> we've all, I think, I, I think we've all, we've all dropped off one of these at this point, and uh, this one was Kyle's to lose. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. want to say, I, I. Played, a, played up a little my frustration with this. I don't want to, like, take... If anyone who gets enjoyment away from this, please keep enjoying these games. Like, it's... it's. I knew going in it wasn't my thing and it wasn't going to be my thing, but, like, I I never want to take your thing away from you and that's... And if, if that's this, please dive into all the lore. Have a blast doing it. Um, it is... It's great that it's there it's just super duper not my thing <laughs> uh and i think that's a perfect way to end it so i will say <laughs> thanks for listening in to debate this flavor text follow along with the argument on twitter facebook and instagram at debate this cast and check out our website at debate if you like what you hear please leave us a review so more people can hear our nerdy insane absolute deep dive into madness type of podcast that we do the spooktacular express returns to station next week as we go all in on the witcher 3. until next time i'm matt my mouth is dry and my lips are actually foaming cole uh, i'm andrew i'm gonna go play kingdom hearts 3 now i guess henderson I'm Todd, old man consequences Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Kyle. My doctor said I can't roll my eyes anymore, so you get a beleaguered side. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Say thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, then you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. Oh, hey. Wow. You're, like, really still here. Three hours and 22 minutes later, huh? You done listen to the whole thing? Did you? Did you just skip to the end? Either way, next week's episode is Halloween Town. There you go, nerds. Now you know.